Hello, and welcome to Magic Myths and Mayhem, a TTRPG podcast with mostly accurate rules and inconsistent character voices. I'm Alex, your host, and with me are Rob, Mark, and Joe, my wonderful... You're not players today. Wonderful participants. Friends. Friends. Friends is a, yeah, that's a really... I said participants, Cast which really mates. changed the... <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Today is a talks, uh, which is going to come in parts. We're going to start talking about some tarot stuff because Rowan's going to be around for uh, like a first portion. And then after that, we'll go into, we'll divulge into, divulge? No, we will diverge. Diverge into chaos of various D&D related things and possibly non-D&D related things. You know how we are. We, we crazy out here or something. But how are you doing, everybody? Super duper and probably duper super as well, actually. Thank you. I meant, I meant I to ask question. What, what Rowan's going off to do, but well, I don't know it, it if I did up, ask it. It brings up a really interesting question before we run into that. Um, of where, where is Purdy today? Purdy. So Purdy, as we know, is a music aficionado. Um, and she is currently on her way to see Liz, who is also not here. Um, I suspect that this is why Rowan is going to be leaving us in, in an hour or so. Um, Purdy has secured the rights to re-record Party in the USA, uh, originally produced by Miley Cyrus, I believe, and uh, she didn't feel it would be right to record it and do the music video and everything without being in the USA. So she thought, where shall I go? LA? No. New York? No. Baltimore? Yes, of course. <laughs> the home city of the musical Hairspray is where we will have our party in the USA. Oh. And um, and so that's where she is. She's she's very busy. Uh, and uh, Liz is, of course, um, starring in it as well. Ooh, and I suspect me. Rowan, that is where Rowan is going to be going. I'm under NDA, no. I can't say. <laughs> Neither confirm nor deny whether uh, Rowan is going to see Liz later. Two bits. One, uh, obviously the Patreon. We have a Patreon. Uh, episodes are a week early, except the Halloween one I, I put on uh, close to Halloween because that made more sense. But episodes are a week early. Extra information, pre-rambles when we talk about all of our personal details and uh, dox ourselves. Kidding, of course. Um, but the second thing is that we have started streaming, but we're not streaming the uh, TTRPG. That's still going to be just a podcast. We are streaming just general the the old Twitch video game streaming, you know that people do. Uh, so we played some Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. We'll definitely probably at some point play some Baldur's Gate. Uh, it's just it's just like us gaming, and it's just sort of extra content stuff that we do. Because I obviously was I was I was uh, Magic Myths and Mayhem, except and is written out rather than the ampersand. Um, uh, I obviously was streaming on my own channel, but now we're doing a communal channel, which means that there's some of that gaming stuff. But then in addition, Purdy was doing some Sims stuff, like a solo stream building some Sims, just like a nice little calm stream. I know that Rowan, I think tomorrow morning might do one. That's not helpful for someone listening to this, but on a Saturday morning or whatever, might do art streams of like drawing things. And then I've also suggested in the future we could do like mini streams or like I might do some like when I make the music for the D&D podcast, like some of those things, just like a lot of extra content that we'll all be involved in as much as we want to. Like if uh, Joe was really keen to do another like talk about one D&D, but it didn't fit into the schedule, we could just stream you know on a on a on a wednesday and start talking about it or uh, can i, can I just like that, you know also throw in that anybody who goes and has a look at the 
at the uh, stream uh, and looks at the starting soon graphic, which is uh, Rowan's work. Yes. Uh, it is very, very good. And uh, you should go along, anybody who hasn't seen it, and see if they can work out who's who. Yeah. It's uh, it's Rowan's beautiful, beautiful work. Uh, I mean, it these is. days, Rowan does all of the art. It is. I, I like my expression. I've just noticed that the one that I assume to be Purdy is holding a knife. Yeah, Purdy's always holding yeah. a knife. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what they're what they're cutting. Nothing. Nothing. Just just a knife. It's just testing the edge of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think your little uh, character is very, very good. I I love its expression and pose. Yeah. It took, are, are me, it took me a second the... to work out that it was me. Uh, starting, uh, soon. <laughs> starting soon or offline? Because if if you click Start, on starting soon, yeah, it, I it, do it, not see an offline. But one. It's, it's replaying the vod right now. If you click on the name below, uh, it'll it'll probably then go to the actual stream, which should show the offline, which is not, oh yeah, a little cuddle puddle. It says the brain cell is resting. Oops. That is funny because we all have one collective brain cell. Anyway, we're doing a lot of streams <laughs> on there, and it's just going to be a lot of uh, fun stuff. Very no good. <laughs> it's, it's it's a lot of fun stuff of no particular direction. It's just I'm not sure about my hair. <laughs> what hair? Yeah, exactly. It yeah. kind of it kind of looks like I'm sucking on Rowan's hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does a little bit. It does a little bit. Anyway, also, uh, I like that. <laughs> Purdy is I feel this one has obviously seen some use. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's on there, so that's just extra content. And um, yeah, that's all that stuff. For now, however, uh, let's talk about Taris. Taris, which is, of course, for now, a little Or should I say, we come to the end of the second book? Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, because of course, the we have tales, tale. of, tales of the Curator and uh, for the Tales of the. I have, I have a burning question to start off with. I must yes. know. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. You're gonna be disappointed, Rowan, because it isn't a question for you. Oh dear. Oh, okay. I'll just fucking leave. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there. It wasn't me. If it was me, it was an accident. Exactly. Ooh. What What is in your inventory on your character sheet? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, because I, it, it uh, became surprisingly relevant. <laughs> so I'll bring that up I, in I a second. But we'll that, uh, that Alex asked. Uh, in the chat on here, and I didn't understand. Yeah, well, whilst you're taking a look, yes. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to we're going to say officially that we got it wrong in the last episode, which is now up. Uh, I was yeah, up an, an entire um, like hour of last session is like yeah. The the whole bones loans <laughs> conversation. Uh, we said that we hadn't. Loans? What do we talk? Shut up for a second. Uh, the whole bones loans conversation. We said that we hadn't received any items from him. We totally had had two of them. Um, mm -hmm. So the little bit of retconning is going to have to happen, but it's fine. Listen, by the time we get back to Taris, everyone will have forgotten. We'll have the items anyway. Um, so it's not going to be that much of a difference, all in all. I Mark didn't, doesn't have those we... items in his inventory either. No, I, so, so Nobody I think, had I, know, them I, think I know what happened because I listened back. I, so I was like, down. I want to accurately see what happened. And I think it's because we got very distracted. At, just after we said yes, we'll take those, there was a conversation with, with Bones, and then it kind of like we went away. So I think none of us actually kind of, it was never, there was never a solid yes, we are making this transaction. It was kind of like, yeah, we'll go with these items. Oh, by the way. And it kind of just like <laughs> off in a different direction. So I think it just completely got forgotten. Uh, are we talking about? Way... We, to, we talk about some items that we got when we blew things up. Yeah. Okay. yeah so I, you remember? You remember I, the guy who's I, I a was... robot with his skull in a fish head? Uh, in a uh, fish bowl. Yes. I do. He was time yeah. traveling, looking for pieces of a door. Yes, which for some reason he can't get himself. Yeah. 
He's working on it. I, I have a way for us to kind of retcon it, but also it will help for retcons in the future. Mm. Bones Loans is a time traveler. He yes. has just gone into a slightly different timeline where <laughs> he thought he had come to the one where we took those items, but in fact, he's come to the one where we didn't. Yeah. Alternatively, I was going to say it could be a different Bones Loans because there are multiple. He said before there are, you know, there are multiple. Yeah, teams. but then they and would be like different, different versions because potentially it's B1 it's up to you. You're, you're there could just be like... one in charge. To be fair, we never called him B1 when he arrived the second time. There was no reference to B1 the second time, which is Bones Loans. No, like but it's like the Drift bones. Globe, Quiver of Elleranen, One Star oh. Ruby, Blade Fragment. No, no, different things. Question about the doorknob. No, different things. Okay, that's what I wrote down. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's, that's what that's we got in the. Things? Well, no, that's what we got no, that... in the underground at the yes, end yes. of Tales of that's Creator. What he was gotcha. for. We're talking about in Tales of the List, just at the end of that, when we saw Bones Loans and got a Magic Eight Ball and a uh, the the People Ring. Which is funny that we would have yes. had that anyway. We never used it because we forgot that we had it. So. Nope. <laughs> I don't know. It's whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Which, um, hilariously, there are a, a lot of situations where it could have been very useful for yes, you. For sure. A hundred percent. If we'd had those, yeah. Donis would not have died. I yeah. I th I honestly think Donis would not have died. I think so. I mean, to be fair, Donis's death was situational for sure. It also didn't help that he tanked two nat twenties in a single fight. <laughs> like yeah. that's not going to help anybody. Um. But anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed Tales of the Curator. I gotta be honest, because Tales of the List was a very good sort of intro. I, I didn't play the um, the prologue type one, which you called Chrysalis, which is what the intro music is named after. Um, but I listened to it, obviously, and it was very fun. The the um, and obviously now I'm seeing the connections between them. Tales of the List was really good for like introducing the characters, and there was like stuff to do. But Tales of the Curator for me really felt like the the proper start of a, a long long-standing campaign if that makes sense like we'd done all the sort of pre-stuff and kind of started everything out and then it really was a bit more meat meat on the bones and it was, it was really enjoyable i very much enjoyed playing the character in the North North. i don't I think i was there for that uh you were you definitely you were not there for the bones he was there for the session zero because he made yeah. use of less Yes, the Furbolg person who yeah, that was fine. immediately died. But I wasn't there. I was, when you Celeste died, I wasn't there. I, I was I was yeah, only there for the, for the first. Of the, it was only a that's short, fine. But we but we I met missed... Bones Loans in Tales of the List. The first. No, time. he's he's talking about the the preamble thing that you, yeah. you mentioned. The oh yeah, fine. Yeah, you went I wasn't there for that. Yeah. I enjoyed Rowan. Um, how the links between. Tales of the List and Tales of the Curator. Yeah, it's, it's because a it wasn't one. it wasn't like episodic in you've done this and now these and now you have to chase the bandits into the hills and now mm. you have to go find the bandits that have escaped. It was this is happening and it's mysterious. And here Thank is you. your next step. And it was okay we met them oh and this has all happened in the background and there are things that we can do to kind of get that information yeah. that we could because we knew nothing about <laughs> um about those people and like the whole I thing found about it. the, the own loans for time traveling trader <laughs> asked us to find missing items <laughs> thank you <laughs> i found it 
It says here, borrowed two items. I think there's a lot of credit to be given. Yeah, I, I probably in my notes as well that I didn't read. Uh, there's a lot of credit to be given to you, Rowan, for not jumping the gun and rushing into any reveals. Because I feel like there's obviously still a lot that we don't know. And I personally know it's really hard to be like, there's some really cool and interesting stuff that I want to say, so I want you all to be introduced to this whole concept. And especially on Terrace, where it's like such long distances apart each, I was gonna each say. episode, that you're just like holding on to all this stuff and letting us slowly creep in. Because it means we feel <laughs> really, we feel like a part of a bigger story rather than we are the story, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or at least that's how I interpret yeah. it. I would not have been able to hold on to stuff because no. of the length yeah. of time between playing. I would have gone, uh, now you're in their base and now you're fighting them. And yeah. This is all the stuff that's happening. And I think these are all the yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely <laughs> that's you learning. That's what I have Eric for. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's definitely you learning how to control us because of course this is the first one you've properly yeah. GM'd for us, which I learned a fair while ago. And I said at the beginning of last episode, I am such a problem. I understand I am a part of the problem and not fixing a problem. Um, but yeah, there's 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 moments where we just go off and do things, and you're sitting there just like, where are you going, right? right? You've just ignored this huge, massive, flashing arrow clue and gone to the computer. We never miss the arrows. We just sort of look at them and go, in yeah. a second. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm, when I'm sensing that we're going to spend another episode doing absolutely nothing, I'm like, let's pull the reins. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. It's good. I, I, I very much like it. I think it would be fun. To, I, think, I can't work out whether I'd enjoy more playing it like week after week or if I enjoy the, the gaps. I think it would be different yeah. if we were doing it mm. week after week, then Rowan would be doing it differently. So mm. I would enjoy it. Yeah, I would have to. I'd, I've definitely readjusted it mm. based on how it's felt to have an entire month between each. Yeah, exactly. I think you did a fantastic job of, of keeping it on the rails with such a big gap in between. Mm. And yeah. I guess it, it gives chance for <laughs> more details and stuff, yeah. But I was very disappointed to miss the last episode of the wrap-up. Yeah, the we got everything done really quickly and then didn't go to Fisher King for like two hours <laughs> of like yeah, real time. It was, I it wanted to make to sure fair, that I you guys back. heard everything fun. I needed you to hear, and I then back. I was, was like, good. okay. It was oh no, I was I was kind of blaming myself. I I I was going to take responsibility for that. <laughs> no, I think it would it it worked because of course we did all the like initial like what we're going to do next, and then like talking with you know, my new character and all this kind of stuff, and then we went over to Fish Kings, and I just I just absolutely loved listening through us as editing this disparity between like here's an interventional creature that is able to like travel through time has all sorts of magical items is super powerful super weird like what is going on meanwhile the two girls are just like so the beanie babies that we get with the with the fisher king's meals like you can get all of them right <laughs> i love it so much and then I, I i almost think it's perfect that for no reason the only one sitting there like what what is going on there everything is so like powerfully magical and this is not normal and how are you all just like so unfussed by this uh, they'll just travel through time and space just to get to a fisher kings and exactly. well that's why when i think someone i think you suggested that we just take his ship from him and i was like oh that why wasn't would you me. even bother that wasn't me so, someone suggested of like why don't we just take all these magical items um, from you i'm sure it was you 
Um, no, no, I, I'm pretty sure it was Liz talking about the uh, the collection that Bones, the collection of those Beanie Babies, or not Beanie Babies, whatever they're called, that um, Bones Loans has. Yeah. Liz was going a little feral for him. <laughs> because <laughs> because, because Death Resangle was not, we can steal it off you, it's we have a thing that you want, so give us more. <laughs> yes. I think... I, I think I think it, it came up some, somehow about like threatening threatening him yeah, yeah. or threatening violence upon him, and I was like, "What? What's the point? This is the <laughs> time traveling serp. This is the servant, and they're traveling through time and space of the gem drip. And and like, even if even if we could kill him, which we can't, well then, <laughs> um, but oh, my my thinking on. Phenoglius's approach to stuff is that Phenoglius is a mad scientist in the Stone Age, um, where occasionally there are things where it's like, oh, another mad scientist has been here, and that's like the items malfunctioning mm. or things like that. Um, but everyone else, because it's such a low magic setting, and so he's his stuff is kind of dressed up as as science. Um, that's that's how I like approach a problem. So so him coming in again because I think I think I was shocked the first time, and then him coming back, I was like, <laughs> okay, we've 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 already been been through this, and there's there's no point like fucking with you because the mad scientist who made you will have sorted all of that out. I've loved both times playing the only magical character out of the crew because Dana's been like, yeah, so what? It's magic. And Fenogu's been like, it's fucking magic. <laughs> and then Death were coming in like, I'm a druid, yeah, and what? <laughs> like, it's fucking magic. Yeah. How, how did you feel, Rowan, when the uh, the character brief was, hey, so there's all this cool stuff and all these reasons why you shouldn't be like a spellcaster. I and Alex remember. going, yeah, but what if I was a spellcaster? So I can't <laughs> nice. remember our initial conversation. I knew we, someone was going to do it. We had, <laughs> no, to be fair to me though, I, I wasn't an ass about it. We had very in-depth conversation. I'm pretty sure yeah. I brought it up, and I was like, I think my first question was like, how impossible is magic? <laughs> I was like, I want to gauge, and you were like, well, we probably could work something out. And I was like, yes, gimme. <laughs> 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 you said yes. <laughs> so and which I, is I'm odd, saying that knowing that. Knowing that artificers technically are spellcasters, but their yeah, whole yeah. thing is that it's supposed to be dressed yeah, up skinny. as gadgets and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, at this a point, lot I played of the... a warlock and then a druid, so it's, it's not messed. Yeah, the, the way I'm imagining, like, Wand, the, these artificers or, or researchers, that the most they've really got going are some nice first or second level spells mm -hmm. that they found in ruins somewhere, just like inscribed on a cave wall or something and the rest is guessing I mean, games. <laughs> I mean, you've got to think about context as well. Like, uh, Carrick was sent out to see Donis and obviously now it makes sense a little bit as to why it was like magical, more magical than they'd expect. And then also, Donis never wants to be around Wand or Sword or anything. I wonder why. <laughs> you know? Because he's not exactly legal. I guess he is, yeah. but he's not. Yeah. Well, it does yeah, remi yeah. remind me, because you were sent to investigate him. And I had pegged him as like, that's weird and, and magical and stuff. And I, I sent that that letter or that note, Rowan, saying about, oh, we're doing this God, there's this there's portals and stuff. Also, there's this fucking guy who's like clearly very magical and he's kind of walking around and is dead Don't worry and stuff. About it. 
was there ever a point where you considered kind of pursuing that as a thread um, as part of the story? Or would it have been too disruptive? Um, I've considered it, and I'm continuing to consider it. Um, I feel like there's a lot I, of backstory for my character. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm trying to... Okay, so at the end of the the session, or kind of like in the middle as we were wrapping things up in that epilogue, there were those people that were unconscious, the cops and whatnot that were unconscious. They weren't the only ones <laughs> that were under some kind of control. And the people that you passed off the message to were a part of that, which is why it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but if the message were to actually get to them through the correct channels now that things are wrapped up. But, you know, Donis is dead, so... Yeah, Donis is dead. Yeah, but he's dust magical, in the wind. Hard to chase. There's another magical creature that's turned no, Don't worry about the other one. He's, you know, you may be suspicious yeah. of him, but he's lovely. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he, has, he's, he has long flowing blue hair, and he's, he's pretty. He's a nice guy. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> You can base it entirely on looks. I promise. That's how the world works. <laughs> Mark, I don't. Have you have you been able to listen to to the session? I haven't a chance yet. So yeah. the first I thing that to. happened to catch was <laughs> the first thing that happened was so uh, we had ended the one before that as Alex turns in from cat to person. That's right. Uh, yeah. And that was it. And it was like what cliffhanger mm -hmm. ending. And so we started it with, who the fuck are you? You're super suspicious. Um, and Purdy was like, Phenoglius thinks that this person's super suspicious and is taking a bit of caution with them? That's my new best friend. <laughs> nothing suspicious about them at all. Nothing weird about how they were able to find us. Nothing weird about how they just kind of wandered in with us. That's fine. Whereas I'm going, and I, I think Liz was kind of on on my side here of like, yeah, what what is up with you? How did like was, why are you here? Things. There was there was Tony being far too uh, like under suspicious. There was Phenoglis being very very possibly over suspicious, which contextually I understand, but but over suspicious. And then in the middle there was uh, Adelaide being like. Let's consider all the options, but not take Let's it all. Let's hear them out, up. but also, what the hell? Exactly. Um, it but, doesn't help that, like, your but, first action after that was to dig your hand into the mess of yeah. gross sinew and metal. It's, to be fair, that would have been fine. It was the voice coming out of my open mouth as I glaze over, <laughs> you know, yeah. foretelling a prophecy and telling us where we can go from an evil... You know, that, that doesn't help a case. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want you to know, Alex, that had I not thought that Purdy would immediately attack me and with no knowledge of how beaten up she was, I would have started PvP. Oh, it's cute that not, you think you might to, have had a chance. Not to kill you. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I said I, I, said was I would have started it. Um, not to kill you, but to be like, this is this is something we have to deal with later. Because yeah. right I, I don't now, think it would have been a fight, but I happening? think it would have been more tense. No, I, I, I understandably so. I think I think you wouldn't stand a chance, not because I have more power or anything, just because if I transform into, uh, especially the links again, I end up in total having like something ninety HP 
like it collects really high. Well, it's because I have like exactly, I have like fifty health or something stupid from the uh, the links, and then an extra like thirty from myself or somewhere in those ranges. Oh, I know. Like it's just so yeah, high. Yeah, forget There's a reason why I suggested that we do uh, Moon Druid as a template for Dark No, ex exactly, Secret. exactly. Um, I know all this stuff. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, I like, I like the suspicious nature. I think it makes it more dynamic. It makes it more fun. Um, I think it was also interesting, like all both of you kind of flip flopping back and forth as I like took sides. Fenogus being like, I kind of like, uh, I kind of like them when uh, they were sort of making fun of um, Celeste about the date stuff. And then Celeste was like, I, I kind of like them when they were making fun of Fenoglius about being a bit too uptight. It's called playing the field. Oh, yes, it <laughs> most certainly is. And none of oh, them thanks, I, uh, thanks Deathrow, for getting you an extra 50% off, the already 50% off for the, for the items. Really? Didn't we, didn't we already own the items? Well, yeah, I, I, well, yes, that's the, the, the items. But so Rowan came in and saying, for the doorknob, you can have fifty percent off an item, which counteracts what they originally said in in the other episode, which was you could trade it for free. But anyway, Deathra then managed to persuade him down another fifty percent, so it was seventy five percent off. But just for one item, uh, yeah. and it was yeah. uh, after they had assumed that they were entitled to some of the loot. No, you not, see, it's funny because at no point, at no point, did Deathra assume he was entitled to the loot of all of your guys' loot. Just the stuff that they were very, very strongly participating in helping get, which is for that underground bit. <laughs> which I don't, I don't think is particularly uh, uh, unreasonable to assume. I'm just looking at the different kinds of food. I, I just. It's far too much choice nowadays. I need to create another character at some point. There's far too much choice. I, I have a question for you, so for you guys. Mm. Ask. What, what are you? What? What's your thoughts on the mirror world thing? Yeah, I wanted to get back to that actually. Well, we destroyed the other uh, mirror that we had this time. Yeah, exactly. But Carrick is very mm -hmm. interested in having another look at that at some point because obviously he's an investigator. Anything unusual. He's like, yeah. that's really odd. And there's some, there was some stuff going on with the with the with the gang in the docks. He's quite interested to follow up on. Which me, me as Alex, there to do at the end, which is annoying. Me as Alex, I, I'm super interested in it, but there's like it's for very good reason as we haven't like why we haven't explored it particularly because it's, you know, kind of danger zones and such. As characters, Darnis wasn't bothered. He was more upset that it affected his mind, and then Deathra. It's just like okay, this exists, but well, I'm not going to just Deathra went. Deathra said to everyone that they had previously been in a mirror and then went into uh, the one at the end of this fight. Oh, she went there, and then walked out. And was like, yep, that still exists because walking through to the other side would just be dangerous and stupid. Realistically, but that's certainly true. But I think uh, Karak is, is sort of like this is something which I wouldn't expect, and I imagine Focus is the same. It's a powerful magical thing, which is. Shouldn't really be around. Well, we know what Adelaide thinks. A couple, this could be turned a into couple. a nuclear bomb. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a couple of things to it for me. So as Joe, I'm very curious about it because it's a high magic thing in a low magic setting, and it's as you say, it's something that shouldn't really exist. Uh, but also as Joe, 
It's the only thing that comes to my mind is interacting with the sanity stat thing that Rowan mm. had us roll. Mm. And that scares Joe. That scares Joe the player <laughs> because it's homebrew and I don't know anything about it. Um, but as for playing Phenoglius around it, it's kind of like... He's, he has a level of curiosity about it for the same kind of it's very magical thing. But also similar to bones loans it's like we're we're not at that level yet like i could i could go I'd go in there i could spend thousands of years trying to figure out what this is and i'm probably not going to until i have done until i have like metaphorically but also because it's a game like leveled up so not not in a metagamey way but it's like he hasn't yet figured out how to make his boundless coffee thing infinite anything else so he's like, he's like, I'm not going to crack yeah. mirror travel yeah. until I have at least finished my coffee flask. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's like I, I'm, ma- I'm making minor improvements to things. I, I feel like he has a good idea of his level of expertise and knowledge in the world. And he looks at that and goes... Well, I haven't got a fucking clue what that is or how you, it works. <laughs> you've hit on a really, like, one of my favorite parts about Phenoglius in the campaign, because especially Purdy, or should I say Celeste, acts as though Phenoglius is just, like, uptight and just, like, annoying, but then also just, like, needs to be a bit more bravado and such, or gets annoyed by a lot of the comments that Phenoglius makes. But in reality, Phenoglius's reactions and actions in this world are the most sane out of anybody's. It's the most I, like I genuinely how think the fuck Phenoglius <laughs> is the most sensible character. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Which is, is weird, hundred percent. And I think that Carrick is is a close second, but yeah. Carrick cu- is m- more curious yeah. and willing yeah. to yeah. Yeah, yeah. to look into Phenoglius things. Is Phenoglius, for sure. is. Phenoglius is quirky I, for I, sure, but like definitely takes the sane approach which is like we're gonna fucking die if we do that yeah, one of yeah. us did die from doing yeah. that hey we're, you know? we're, we're where the government is let's take the government with us exactly. uh, <laughs> I, I think you're right is his curiosity is gets him into trouble he's he's mm-hmm. interested too Carrick is a cat that curiosity is going to kill yeah oh yeah but he's also he i always i i try and play him like he he's a bit too satisfied with his own intelligence he's he's a bit too uh, cocky about how clever he is so yeah. he, he'll tend to think yeah if, if i think i try this probably right then off we go exactly rather than Phenoglius being sane and smart like probably actually the most intelligent or at least the most uh sensible you've got Carrick who is smart but possibly like you say too too it impulsive. thinks a bit more of themselves yeah a bit impulsive. Not curious. Not really impulsive very, very curious yeah, yeah. You, ha- you had Danis, who was just like done with he the was, world and just like fuck it i don't care wait, wait it's not impulsive it's he he is he treats life as a bulldozer. Say, he was <laughs> yeah he, he treated life as a bull or like his path as, as though he had a bulldozer it's like i need to be over there and I don't really care how I get there. And then it got him killed, but he also wasn't particularly bothered that it got him killed. <laughs> you know? And then you've got Adelaide, uh, no, you've got Celeste, who I think, I know it's, it's a lot of it's Purdy's chaos gremlin that always creeps through any of her characters, which I love, but it's more, I take it as um, Adelaide is very, for God's sake, Celeste is very almost innocent. 
like hasn't actually seen anything of the big world, so just assumes that everything will be okay because it normally is. And then you have Adelaide, who is old, seen a lot of this shit. So actually, you know what? I would say Adelaide is probably the second most sensible, if not as sensible, but a little bit again has that sort of like impulsive, um, curious nature that sort of pushes her forwards a bit. I I feel like with with what we know of Celeste's kind of story threads, which is not a lot, I, I <laughs> it almost feels to me like she's from a different game. <laughs> which I really enjoy having as like it's because it, it's weird it's weird to say that she's almost like the maverick character when you when you look at our our, yeah, our characters because, when we started because we had me doing the stupid voice uh, and being all like quirky and weird we had the kind of almost like nineteen twenties or forties esque investigator like gentleman mm-hmm. sleuth style uh, character with Carrick. We had Darnis, who was uh, like just a walking corpse with magic that he shouldn't have had, and was being like, <laughs> as, as you say, like a bulldozer through through things. And then yeah. we have a small town sheriff. Uh, you know, she she's a capable warrior. She's liked by her townsfolk. She's haunted by the ghost of a child, and her family has a blade split into pieces that grant her visions. Exactly. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love the the, the, the the dead child thing. It's just so funny when it pops out. <laughs> it's like, oh, by the way, I'm I'm haunted by the ghost of a little girl. Uh, it's not even an exaggeration. You when you were introducing to, introducing to, to death room, it's like, oh, and the other thing is like, oh, that's not important. It's like, it, yes, it is. Yeah, I think it's, I said, it, it's like it's, it's the most intriguing thing about you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's so funny! I love it. No, yeah, she yeah. she's definitely it's, the it's brilliant. Team. No, I, I I did enjoy all of the interactions of like Darnus's emo or not understanding emotion in the slightest, um, and then everyone or like Fenoglia is trying to explain why something's a bad idea, and him being like, "But we're going to do it anyway." <laughs> uh, then bonding over oh. the hatred of a dog was also quite amusing. I was going to say, Rowan, I want you to know that I understand Oscar's... Uh, I, as Joe, understand Oscar's place as something that you are able to rely, relatively reliably use to move the plot forward. Um, <laughs> Phenoglius hates that fucking dog. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's only, it's only because I, as a player at the table, understand that he is a tool that you, the DM, uses that he has not tried to kill the dog. Like actually, that's very try. kind. And I just thought you should know that I, I'm I like aware. You try. And and you don't <laughs> need to. You don't need to worry that I'm going to be like, how do I get rid of the DM's tool? No. I, I, I just love all the time. It was like, <laughs> so can we call it like Danis and Finocchio? So can we do, kill the dog, Celeste? No. The dog is crazy suspicious. Like, he he <gasps> just is. He does have. <laughs> that's a suspicious partly because he's yes. a good tool. For like for he's just always for the there. DM. <laughs> but he's he's so suspicious. We're talking about how uh, Oscar should die, Mark. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. He's he's so suspicious. <laughs> that was, that's, that's, that's all. That's all. That's all I had to say about him. <laughs> Maybe he's not just a tool. I think he's, he's going to turn out to be far more than he appears. I've seen his stat block. <laughs> he can fly. 
That's the stat block for an unhound. He is an unhound. He can fly. Yeah. An onion uh, hound. An onion hound, as, as we've come, yes. Mm. I definitely need to listen to the podcast, that final episode there. I need yeah, to catch up on all this good. stuff about the uh, ring and whatever. Yeah. Also, the links that Death Row is, is a Nyxborn links by, by Snapblocks. So it is a big blue links. <laughs> That's not even that much flavor. Yeah, but there was a point. There was a point, Mark, where Alex assumed that I knew what the stat block for a Nixborn Lynx was, and I had to tell him that, contrary to his belief, I don't have every stat block memorized I didn't, for every I, monster. I didn't assume you knew what it was. I didn't yeah, assume you knew what it was. I did assume you would look it up. I'm more, I'm more surprised that you don't That's have okay. more memorized. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what adventure it's from. Well, I have no idea. I just searched and found it because because as a um, I've already forgotten the circle. It's literally my character. Circle of the moon. Circle moon. Of the moon. Yeah. Um, I can do CR one, which is crazy. At like level three. It is a. I, mean, large I got lost. Beast. I got lost when they started to introduce new classes. When I started out, it was like fighter, magic user, druid. Mm. Uh, fighter, magic user, druid, thief. Is there any of those? Might have been. I, I thought it was. I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was called fighter. I thought it was like martial something. Fighting oh. man. No, I'm pretty sure. I I, it was there's definitely a system where it is called fighting man. I, I, I'm pretty sure. It's a Marvel superhero, isn't it? Oh. Fighter man. <laughs> Fighter man <laughs> does whatever no. a fighter can. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, yeah. Tar- yeah I think Terrace is okay. I, I am quite sad yeah. that it's going to be quite a while until we see the next little bit of Terrace. Oh, for completely understandable do, reasons. I just, you know. Do we have a an estimate of when we will be at Terrace again? I am going to try to do it by the time Purdy's done with her How to Be a GM series. Which I guess so is a fairly a good right transition. That. It's a fairly good transition into the future of... Because we split between three episodes of C3 and then one episode of Taris, which obviously is going to happen, like, fill in that space. We switched to that partially because uh, Rowan's head was exploding with a campaign that needed to uh, be done, but also as a happy right. medium because I really enjoy having the fourth week off because then I can sort of collect up on things and catch up a little <clears throat> so we're going to keep that fourth week and it's going to we've mentioned it a couple of times whatever but it's going to be how to gm which is going to be a non it, it's not going to be a rule book style how to be a gem it's going to be a personal opinion and use case reality how to be a gm yeah it's, it, it purdy wants style. to be a wants to learn to gm so the four of us as people who have gms will be answering questions and uh, that she has talking about our experiences with kind exactly. of the game and similar games um, exactly. and kind of stuff on like that. I'm super excited to hear what you've got to say from, from that series, Mark. Um, yeah, oh, for because sure. You, sure. Because your, your depth of knowledge is, is going to be we, so yeah, different. Yeah, we all have completely different... Well, exactly. We all, all have completely different... Uh, I, I was going to say, actually, that I'm looking forward to it as well because, obviously, I, the DMing I did the majority of the DMing I did was a very, very long time ago. So the worlds and things and the rule structure and so on. Uh, before we do it, I had to dig out my, my old books and things. Mm. Uh, it was very much... I mean, it wasn't that 
different in theory. I mean, the principles are quite similar, particularly I did multiple uh, systems, but the system I eventually landed on was, oh God, I can't even remember what it's called now, but it wasn't, it wasn't D&D 5e, it was something else. Oh, I can't think, but it was one of the uh, early sort of open worldy kind of things, as opposed to just having a dungeon corner, which is what I did most. I know you did the work uh, system at one point. We did the Warwick system because the guys who created the Warwick system were the group I played with. So they had they created the Warwick system, and I was there when we had the tenth anniversary. And I, my save it for the save it for the series. Save it for the series. My character at the time got got a little uh, badge with a ten on it that fired ten magic missiles. That, uh, that we all got a present oh for the tenth anniversary. That's <laughs> like your gloves in um, in C yeah. three. I have to get it out somehow, and maybe I'll put it onto one of my new characters. It was it would have been hmm. someone like Flint or. White Bay, one of the original Flint or White Bay. Anyway, I'll talk about this. But my point, anyway, was I'm quite looking forward to it to see what it's like yeah. now. It's very different, mm. I think. Although the exactly. principles are lots. The whole, the whole yeah. point of the series is not because I figure you can read the books. Like if you want to learn how to DM or GM or anything, you have book you have books for a system because that is just written down. And quite honestly, we would just be reading from a book that already exists. We're not going to be. We, none of us are like proper educators of any kind, so it's not going to be like we could teach that better than the books already does. Plus, we want to go across multiple systems of how to just generally be a GM. So this is where it's going to be more, as you said, interviewy questions of like how we approach the situations to get perspective on how we think. Not that we're exactly any kind of authority, but just how we think so it can sort of open up the mind. Because I know, mm -hmm. especially for Purdy, she was saying she doesn't know where to start. And it is a very intimidating thing to look oh, at. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make a whole world. Especially, I guess, with her main reference being C3, where quite honestly, I go insane C3. with all of the He's world insane. building. <laughs> it's very, very good. Very impressive. I'm, I'm sure that we will talk about this as part of it. But Rowan, I always forget that this is your first like major DMing thing, like Alex said. So before we we lose you in a few minutes, do you have anything you you would like to share about that before we talk about it more in depth kind of in the weeks mm. to come? No, not <laughs> immediately. Not really anything immediately. Okay, we're moving on then, I guess. <laughs> no, fantastic. I was, I was looking at my notes and my brain can't concentrate on two things at once. Um, I completely forgot you guys You guys missed some things. And Purdy, there is something that Purdy has known for like five uh, yeah. sessions You've that she never that said. There, there was a point when Rowan, I don't know if you, I don't know if you said she just knew everyone. Rowan gave Purdy some information that was for Purdy to give out. And Purdy, we had a conversation with the three of us. Purdy said, I don't, she didn't want to give out all of the information of her character straight away. She was holding it all back. But then Rowan was like, yes, but. But there's certain things you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember when you got to the town, you got the information to start, and then there was like a week where you guys spent time doing things throughout the city? Yeah, separately? she yeah, yeah. she went off and she stayed at a friend's house or something. Yeah. Like that. Mm -hmm. She did other stuff during that week. She found out. She was the first one to find out that. Um, the tower officers were compromised and did they? not say anything. So when Joe was going to say, let's bring them along, that, I was like, hey, up, Purdy. That, that could have come up so many times. Oh, no, no, yes. I'm, I'm going to change your phrase. <laughs> that should have come up so many times. How is Celeste holding back that information? Well, we... God dang. 
Callet went along to talk to the uh, to sword. Well, you all did. The, the, when I no. point, you didn't the, pass the check, but Purdy fucking aced the check to get it. It was you, Purdy, and you, Mark, that That's it. had a, had an opportunity to figure that out um, with what you I were looking she, into. I think Gout did work. She did. She did tell Kark at that point that the Colonel wasn't being honest. So I got the impression that at that point. Yeah, but she still didn't say. But that that it, was much, came, much later. It came up a very little bit about some kind of corruption yes. within After that Sword, but it was much more, or we, either how we discovered it or how we talked about it, the framing was it was corruption to do with the gang and therefore yes. regular mundane corruption rather yeah, than. Yeah. The impression, the impression the character godly control. Was, that the colonel was was being paid off by the That's gang. That's so funny. That's and he's interested so in the gang funny. as well, so that made sort of sense to him. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so back to the <laughs> other question. And that goes back to what you were saying. Yes. Let me let me actually. When you, when you what is your up, opinions? And the player just will not follow the the, the rails you put down for them. It's, <laughs> uh, we're going to go into so uh, much more detail about that in the thing. But yes. Yeah. We'll, sorry. We'll first, Ask the question we'll again. And so with it being your kind of your first major DMing thing, is there any, any thoughts that you have kind of off the top of your head? Um, like we will go into more detail in the oh, yeah. GM thing, but like, is there anything that sticks out to you that either you didn't anticipate or something that you thought, I, I prepared for this and I'm glad that I did? Um, those, those kinds of notions. Um. So a little bit during Tale of the List, that was it was short and like a very self-contained story, so I could kind of get the feel for how you guys were going to approach the campaign. And then I was like, it completely went out the window when we went to Pondview for Tale of the Curator. <laughs> um, so I a lot of it, it up until like the last three episodes was changing what I had initially written each week until I was like, I don't really need to have much written. They're like, they're going in a direction. I've got the information I need. Just, just let it go. Aside from like the, the monologues stuff to like give you the information that you need. I, most of it was just like either in tables or stuff that was just floating around in my head that I was able to pull out. Really interesting you say, cause we have different DMing styles and that is one, because it's this group, there's one thing I've definitely come to as well, which is there's no point in writing anything too specific because when you do it doesn't go that way Absolutely. get all the information put it around and just let them get to it in their own way <laughs> they'll get to it it's fine <laughs> yeah how, how have you been writing quite a lot of notes i was initially i have not written like new notes like for a session in a while um i i have what i normally do is i write up like one long document for each story, like tale that mm. I have set up. And then I have it set up for each city because there may be situations where I need to track stuff for cities separately from the quest line. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found that that's the easiest way for me is just to have all the relevant stuff we'll need in one big document. Absolutely. It's like kind of keeping track of where things are moving as you guys yeah. do study. I think. Without, I mean, it's what we're going to talk about on this this D and D podcast. The, D &D, uh, well, <laughs> the whole thing's a D and D podcast. Yeah, the game master. T T It is. You have the story and you have the scenarios, and they're not 
the same thing. So the story is they will find this, they will be taken to this place or person, they'll be taken. And that doesn't have to be in any particular place. So when they start off in the town and instead of going, you know, you hear a huge explosion, everybody goes running away, there's a giant fiery monster. And instead of them doing what you expect, which is going to investigate what's going on, they go, let's go to the pub and have a drink. Mm -hmm. It's fine because you can say in the pub is whatever it was you're supposed to be finding up by the monster. Oh, yeah. Because you can always place yeah. in front of them whatever. And then, of course, it's, they'll it's the illusion of choice. It and you move it and you have to yeah, move it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's the it's the two town in air quotes for listeners solution where, oh, you they, there's this town with all this stuff. Go to we'd that we'd rather go to this other town. Yeah. Okay. I'll just you pick shall this do. town up and I'll move it over here. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same town. Exactly. Where you go is where you go. Where, yeah, where, where, because you as the uh, the DM, the GM, control the universe. So where they end up is where you decide they end up. They think they're deciding, but actually you're deciding. And that's once you get once you get that through, you know, it makes. <laughs> Which is comes back to like you know putting the information around and then letting them get to it because I think even all, all of us know that that's what happens. But we don't care because then it's no. still it feels more like our characters are doing choice that they would and we still interact with the story. And I guess that's where the difference between railroading Absolutely. and yes. GMing for proper is where yes. railroading is you are going to this town, you are going to talk to this person, you are going to go along this path. Whereas putting the information out there and getting a good campaign is this is information that you will happen across, not because you're I'm forcing your characters to do things you don't want them to do, but because wherever you are, you will see something in a in a form that your character will be yes. interested in. Therefore, exactly right. you will interact with it, and you keep putting things in there, maybe in different ways. And there's been say, multiple times. There's been multiple times that I've put some things around, and you guys have ignored it, and I've just gone, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's not happening anymore. You don't care. That's fine. I, like I'm not bothered that you don't want to take that no. path. You weren't interested, and if you weren't interested, then you're not going to have fun. And if you're not going to have fun, then what the fuck's the point in any of this? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly right. Exactly right. I mean, the, the, it's the difference between like if your characters are going the wrong direction, and you say, okay, then the police turn up, arrest you, stick you, stick you in the back of a yeah. van, and take you to where I want you to go. And as you say, Joe, just saying, okay, you decide to go there instead, and guess what? <laughs> You see a strange, a strange old man in the pub. You know, it's it's whichever, wherever you go, you can, you can. But there's that, there is that uh, balance between directing him, uh, the course of the of the characters, and hinting and giving them the, enough freedom to get to the right place eventually. Exactly. Part, part of that onus is put onto the characters, of course, or the players, hmm. I should say, to to take a hint or at least play nicely. You know? Yeah, for for a good DM to be a great DM, you have to have good players who want to be great players. Oh, for sure. There's everyone yeah. talks about the Matt Mercer effect. Like, oh, Matt Mercer is such a good good DM, and everyone tries to compare themselves to him. Every time I think I, I hear anyone talk about that, I'm like, of course, Matt Mercer is a great DM, but he is absolutely nothing without the rest of the group as players because they're all incredible players, story builders, yeah. and like when you watch them, they meld, they integrate, they create a story play along they yes and a lot which is harder than it seems like it should be <laughs> yes yes you know and yeah, yeah all of them as a group have it's it's a critical role effect rather than a Matt Mercer effect or, or yeah. whichever dm you choose brendan lee or any of them you know yeah yeah i'm not a good enough player to uh to to kind of be thinking about things on the level that those people are. I'm oh like, yeah, for sure. That seems fun, or yeah. this seems this seems funny. But then, yeah, it's, it. it's, <laughs> it's, the it's playing the way that you would play. Like, if I 
as a GM GM'd expecting you to be like the critical role crew there would only be disappointment because I would be disappointed that you aren't doing it and you would be disappointed that I'm not playing to your strengths or what you want to be fun mm. whereas if I as I do know how all of you play I know you all very well and interact with that in the way that would be expected I won't always get it right for sure but it's more fun you interact more you have more fun and I don't know well, <laughs> that's the point right <laughs> Particularly in C3, where you you do a lot of, where you have a lot of um, NPCs who are constant NPCs, they're almost player characters. It indicates an, an element of when you're doing, when you're GMing, you're not just GMing. It's not like being a referee in a football match. You're actually playing. You're a player as well. Mm -hmm. So even if you're not running a, an NPC who is part of the group, which is a convenient way of making sure you get sort of some sort of guidance from within the part where with, from within the universe. But even if you're not doing that as a GM, you're part of that gaming group uh, playing a game, and that's why uh, mm. you know the, the group is as strong as all the people within it. So you're not on the outside with a group of players and a GM. You're all part of the same group, trying to all have fun. And, yeah. It brings a good question, actually, for Taris. Are there any NPCs that you want to just interact with more? Um. I was interested to see you guys go back to Jen Holmes, but I understand she was very standoffish, so... You know, I think that was just a product of, like, a gap, because we kind of spoke to her, and then we got some stuff, and I think there was a, a little bit of, like, a gap where it was like, I don't actually understand why we'd interact with her anymore, because she lost some stuff, and then... I'm not saying it's your fault, it's just because of the massive gap. We kind of, like, forgot any of the reasoning. I was like, well... I we kind of know I, some stuff's going on, and then something else happened. We were like, "Oh, stuff!" And then we I hadn't forgotten forgot that I, was a thing. I hadn't forgotten about Jen Hurst, but we, when we left her, we what, that was part of getting to where we are now. It then became what was going on became the you know, this old mm. god coming back. So it you was know, like it does stuff missing from the museum is less important now. But now that's over, it's still in the back of my mind, character mind, that there was a what? What was all that about? Yeah, I was going to say, is it something that we should know? The the people dis the people on the list the ran the list appearing and all that stuff is that stuff that we should already know and I've just completely not connected the dots or is that something that there is still stuff to discover that the initial list the the whole tale of the list where there's a list and the people on the list, the list are and they're being all taken. Okay, I, I, was more, more I, was, I was actually going to say about that because that that the people were disappearing and we found a mirror and the mirror has turned up again in this latest tale so therefore. The, that's yeah. one of the connections and that makes there, me there are different that, assumptions i was just wondering if we were supposed to have like there's something that we know that we're just being dumb or if that's just information that we don't have yet or at least information that it's not like oh yeah that's the thing that you've already been told and just forgot i remember there was there was a sh i mean there was a shadow creature we never Exactly, because that's what sticks in my mind. Is that there was a shadow creature. Then we went to see Jen Holmes because was Jen Holmes on the list? No, she wasn't. She was. No, Maeve Don told you that they had mentioned her while they were discussing what they were going to do after they were done in Little Ashbourne. That's it. Yes, that's it. And then we spoke with her, and then some stuff was missing, and then we ended up she'd been robbed finding yeah. the. Like the people mm -hmm. at the, the church and stuff like there was a couple jumps there where we kind of just went here's a, here's a new thread and then kind of forgot about the old threads what were those were, they, were some of the stuff that, she, that got stolen from her were they the, the scrolls we found yeah yeah we, the, the scrolls, collection of spell yeah. scrolls you got yes. them a, the records of Bolkosh from the origin forest RCZ nobody found them no. the magical artifact the sil spider brooch was That's the periopto poison that Joe had gotten 
Oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yes. And then yeah. a secret fourth thing that. I mean, I'm assuming the shadows are connected to them all, but. Well, I imagine the shadows are connected. At this point, to my character doesn't clothes. know anything about Jen Holmes or the list. No, no, exactly. <laughs> I, I, th I imagine that the the shadow creature is connected because the people are disappearing, which probably means they'll go through the mirror. So, the shadow creature, or whatever it was, it, it links to the mirrors and the people running the mirror set up. And we've had some mm. contact with him, obviously, because there was another mirror in in this city. I forgot the name of the city. Uh, Pondview. Pondview, that's it. Um, yeah, since there's a mirror there as well, there's obviously a connection. And mm. there's more than two mirrors because they won't go through that one appearing inside of a stone coffin. So <laughs> there's something more going on, which I imagine we're going to, oh. in the next chapter, I imagine we'll come across another yeah, mirror somewhere and have another chance of a bite of that particular oh. cherry. I do have to head out, so I will leave you with two things. Um, the first being, I had a doomsday plan if you guys decided to say fuck it and investigate the mirror and actually succeeded on what you need to do to effectively yeah. use it at this point in time. And the second thing um, is a little, little, little spoiler, the name of the next tale. Oh yeah. Tale of a Lost City. Tale of the Lost City. I like the sound of that. That makes sense because we've been talking about we the, the directed to some ruins. Yeah, that, that makes yes. a lot of sense. <laughs> it makes us see. I didn't. I haven't heard the last episode yet, so I need to listen to that. Yeah. That, and we'll leave you with that. Right. Bye. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Have a nice afternoon, evening, whatever it is. Oh my god, you've all gone huge on my screen now. So. Skipping back a little to the the future of the future of what's going on, what I I, I know that Joe, you had some, you have your, you still need to work out how to actually run it. Idea of a campaign. God, I wish. Well, it's another mini campaign, yeah, yeah. Mark, and I wish I could. I actually think that you, Alex, would probably be the best person to ask about it, but I can't because as soon as I tell you what the concept is, or there's there's no way to talk about it without telling you what the concept is and once you know the concept the whole thing the the, the whole like initial like oh my god this is what we're doing and then like going about it will be ruined <laughs> um i i will say all, all i've said to alex about it mark is that i potentially would need to either record myself for a bunch of stuff mm. or i would need to like bring in cam as like a like a secondary I mean, DM, like DM, if you uh, want. alongside me. If you want, <laughs> we can work out some way to have me as like a pseudo player. Maybe. Because I'm more. Like, than I think to... you'll get part. I, I think I you'll get a lot of enjoyment play. out of it. Oh, for sure. But if you really, really want to run, I'm more than happy because I will also find enjoyment if I was like sort of a, a DMPC, half and half, like. Not do not do the meta, but still play a character because I do the NPCs and know all the information all the time. Anyway, I'm pretty happy and good at not giving away the stuff that playing a character as if I don't know something, but then actually knowing it. Mm -hmm. It's up to you. I'm not saying we should. It's just like I'll, I'll think about yeah. it. But so there's you've got I'll a thing storing up in the tank. You have one father, father. You have one. Um, uh, which you vaguely want to set up. I have a sort of yes. Point. I have a I have an idea for one. I have a scenario. Yeah. 
and obviously we have this how to gem. So I think we'll probably uh, we'll, we'll start cracking out this how to gm thing, and then both of you try and get it to a point where within like a month or so, I could be like, "Are you? Would you be happy to do it at well, some point?" So I'm not going to rush. Well, many when, we, when we do the gm discussions, you'll discover that my preparation for these kind of things is a lot less detailed than yours. And if I had to do it like tomorrow, sure. I'd probably start thinking about it tomorrow afternoon. But my point is, you know, just in places where you, you are happy to do so, because I, I want to inter because like, there's going to come a point soon-ish where I'm going to want to have a break from C3 to then put something in the center to then set up for like what would effectively be like a season two of C3. Um, which probably... I thought we were currently having a break from season. Well, we are, but it's it's more like a season break <laughs> than at the end of a season, you know, um, because you, you've still got half a year of school school left, and I feel like this half a year is probably going to go a lot faster, partially because, as as I'm sure you've been, as was my intention, as you've been able to tell, a lot more of the mundane stuff is just being skipped because yeah. you've, done, you've that, done that, and if we keep yeah. doing the mundane stuff, it's just going to keep into slicing this kind of boring stuff that you aren't as interested yeah. in, which is why I always go. Is there anything you want to bring up in this two-week gap? <laughs> because yeah. otherwise, you're just and doing the all this stuff and nothing happens. Exactly, absolutely. You know, um, and there's always something ready to happen. But you know, I mean, this is where you could always also, do a random encounter approach, where not only for us, if we is there anything we want to bring up, but if you want to do a sort of a one of us gets attention, one of us gets food poisoning, whatever, you can do that kind of thing by the sort of rolling a dice and saying, Three "Yeah." Minutes late. There's always something. I will say. I have another campaign idea, which I have, I think I've mentioned a couple of times that I could have ready ready to go in relatively short order, yeah. which is, it's similar to the one that we did where you guys kind of got uh, transported as yourselves to come yeah. and rescue me, Yeah. except it would be very similar to that, but it would be rather than into like genre land uh, and going between different genre lands, uh, you would go to one which is an anime, and you would all have one stat which is like thirty or something, um, <laughs> something something crazy and, and ridiculous and game breaking. Uh, but then also the things that you might have to do might need you to be incredibly, crazy, incredibly whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I. So, um, do, you, do you have an idea of, of what it is that you're wanting to talk about next? Because I, I have something queued up that I, I was just, would love yeah. both of your thoughts on. I was just finishing off like the, the future of... I mean, the, the the Heart of GM is the main big thing, which I'm super excited for, because I think it's going to be really fun. Um, I need to talk to Pearly about it, because it's going to be... It, we'll all be told what the questions are going to be ahead of time. Because it's, it's, not, it's not a scripted type thing but it's not a formless type thing it's a, yeah, it's a theme we bring theme. along and no because i don't we want have, i don't want it to we be, have to impose structure upon ourselves exactly and i don't, yeah. want, <laughs> right. I don't want to be like here's the question and us to go hmm, oh, that's a really good question hmm, oh, <laughs> because it, it makes more sense if we're like oh yes you asked me about this and i you know made some bullet points and then what it will also help with is stopping us from rambling on and on and on and on and on because we know where the end is we know what we want to say and we give each as other if, the opportunity as if we would do that sort of thing i don't know so who's we about. it's you and me <laughs> <laughs> come on i'm awful for it i know it's one of the reasons i'm the dm because then you can't tell me to shut up because i just keep talking anyway um but yeah no that that's that i'm really excited how long for are you planning on the uh gm how to gm 
Uh, that's what I need to talk to Cody about. I imagine it's going to end up being probably about four episodes of questions because she has a big table right now what she wants to ask. So I imagine it'll be like, I'm thinking, depending on how much information we give, two or three questions per episode with like lots of sub questions sort of coming from that topics, let's call them. And then a few of those. And then I know Purdy wants to do a, 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 a campaign, which will probably take a couple of weeks, like a mini campaign, but it's not going to be a proper one. It's all of us as campaign. in quote yeah. experienced GMs will play characters, but be fully ready to actually just be talking about how, you know, what Purdy wants to, or what Purdy, I was going to say what Purdy should be doing. When Purdy has questions, she just asks them. We, we sort of like yeah. step away from the campaign and talk about the DMing side of things and then step Absolutely. back into it yeah. and continue playing. Yeah. Um, because that's you know, sort of helpful. Because she was saying, oh, I have a really good idea that I want to campaign. And we were like, no. Not for the first one. <laughs> not for this one. Never do what you really want is your first one. No, because absolutely not. It'll never go the way you want it to, and then it'll be yeah. ruined because you can't do it a second time. Because halfway through, you realise I shouldn't have done it this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's not that plan, and then after that, yeah, we'll get some Tara stuff going up, and then there'll probably be. I imagine after Christmas is when we'll sort of take a break from C three. That tends to go fairly quickly through. So we'll see. yeah, okay. That's just that's just good. Joe. So I. It's yeah, it's it's one smaller thing and then one one larger thing, which I want to get your thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smaller thing is just an update on on kind of one D and D as you can talk about the future of of the stream. So it's basically, um, in theory, we should expect one more playtest before the end of the year. Um, and they've put out a thing of how they want this new set of three of Monster Manual, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Player's Handbook to be viewed. Um, the thing that's and there'll be apparently they're going to be like big books. There's going to be shitloads of art in them and all sorts. And I would rather that it had like content. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, art, I know, art the art is, like is always a, really good, and a lot of people yeah. really like the art. But it just feels like they should be last had. rather than first. But it's it's yeah. fun, but it's not. It's not. The, it's not the point of the book. Yeah. Um. So, just a couple of things I wanted to bring up from kind of what they have put out recently um is they had put out for playtest a new subclass for fighter which was the brawler uh which was basically around unarmed combat and you know picking up improvised weapons and that uh that's called really badly so it's getting cut maybe it'll come back in the future maybe it won't um and the next playtest will have the one of the new subclasses for barbarian called the world tree barbarian which is all about tapping into like Yggdrasil, um, the like the Nordic Tree of Life, mm. which is their kind of explanation of the D and D like multiverse. Is they're all parts of that. So it, it's a barbarian that can like teleport around and is vaguely tree themed. Um, so World Tree Barbarian, uh, the Druid, and the Monk. Everything else in terms of classes. I'm pretty sure Druid's moving much forward. There. Well, yeah, but they're they're playtest. Um, everything else is moving forward to internal development only, hmm. which, on the face of it, sounds like oh they're they're pretty much done. But as part of that, what that means is that we're not going to see things like the Bard uh, again. Now, the last time that we saw the Bard, it had had kind of a whole redesign where do you know how Bards get what's called magical secrets? They can choose a couple of spells from other classes' spell lists. 
well, they had gotten rid of spell lists and they had replaced it with the with three categories of primal, arcane, and divine, if you remember. Mm -hmm. And so instead, it was as you when you start as a bard, rather than choosing, you know, spells from the bard spell list, you choose one of those three. So you might be a nature kind of bard, you might be a more wizardy bard, or you might be more of a clericy kind of bard. And then, as you got to level ten, you could then pick a second class list or essentially or spell list to choose your spells from going forwards uh but then they decided that they were getting rid of those three lists so we actually have no idea what the bard is going to look like if it's going to be pretty much exactly the same as 2014 version mm. or if they're doing something else that is a big change but we don't get to say uh a lot of people won't care the bard is my favorite class uh so i care which is why i'm bringing it up uh, this is my platform to rant about it <laughs> and express my concern, and so uh, I'm doing that outside of the um, yeah, I did, the I, surveys I that they do. Ever played a bard? What's oh, that? you've got to, man! It's uh, so much fun. It, just, it lends yeah. itself to flavor so well. Mm. I think even in the old days, I never played. I don't think. I mean, bards went around when I started. They don't think. No, there wouldn't have been. The I'm only like... reason why Barty wasn't a bard was because I have been trying to play with each new character a class that i haven't played mm -hmm. um because the whole the chef thing would be super easy to do as a bard mm -hmm. um yeah. uh but i had i had i had already i have already done a long-term bard um yeah which i loved playing the one the D, D development just to skip back to you saying that they're going to be taken all into their own hands i mean firstly it's going to be a disaster because there's always stuff that people don't like and i don't see why they understand that but yeah. I, the, say, I, th I think that's just for the class stuff other things like dungeon master's guide like the bastion thing that they put out of like player bases and they haven't play tested many spells or what the weather changing with monsters we should still be receiving those the, the whole see it's funny in in concept if i was told just in any kind of uh, a development of anything, oh, they're gonna. Th this company is really gonna take the consumers of this subject into heart and really like do some tests with them, some beta testing, get them get their opinions, take it back. I'd be like, that sounds like a really good way to develop something if you don't need it to be done quickly. But somehow, Wizards of the Coast <laughs> have managed to butcher this to the point that I just don't understand what they're actually trying to do. It seems to be most of the time. They release some stuff. People don't like it. They go, "Oh yeah, but like, it was only ever a playtest, so that wasn't serious." Uh, as though we've offended them by the idea that they might have got something wrong, and they're pretending that they never got anything wrong. And then they do some more stuff, and some of it is kind of all right, but some of it isn't. But all of it is just unnecessary. Like I don't, I don't, even though they've said it's not six e and it's not five point five e, it's just one D and D or whatever they end up calling it. It doesn't but they're, have they're a... still just calling it 5A. That's always, exactly. always what they're going to refer to it as, is what their position is. It doesn't have a place. I don't understand what they what they want from it. I think originally I understand what they wanted from it. What they wanted was a system where they could make people pay them a lot of money if they were making a lot of money. But now, in this massive like bout of trying to save face, they've got a something, which isn't. it's kind of 5E, but isn't really. It's kind of a 5.5, but it's, it's changing more than you would expect, but not as much as for a new edition, but it's still playing on the existence of 5e, but then they want to change a bunch, a bunch of really core stuff. I, I, what, what is it for? I, I, I keep wanting to step back and be like, what is it for? What, what is the? What are they trying to achieve with it? Nothing. It doesn't seem like anything. 
Well, what what we're going to end up with is what sh they should have set expectations as, which is uh, what's looking like an overhaul of, of monsters. So monsters having much more to do with, for example, dealing force damage rather than, you know, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing. Mm -hmm. Much more interplay with resistances and vulnerabilities. I personally think that's what's going to happen based on how they've designed some of the classes. Um, you know, and that, sure, a new monster manual or a monster manual style book, if you're wanting to introduce that, mm -hmm. okay, I, I understand that. So the changes to the classes could have been put out in the same way that the optional features were for the ranger yeah. in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Because that was, the, like, they put out some other optional features in that book, not loads, ranger got the most. Um, but they put out some for other classes, and it works fine. It works great. And even in you know, in the corporate kind of sense of it, in that case, you can have people who are buying the PHB and Tasha's culture and yeah. everything. Uh, because the changes that it looks like we're going to get, outside of new subclasses and stuff, which get printed in Adventures and in source books anyway, mm -hmm. um, don't look like they're going to be all that major. But where I think this whole thing, outside of their missteps as a company with things like the OGL and mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole Pinkerton thing with, for Magic the Gathering, outside of their public mistakes, where they have really t gone down or the path, the wrong path with this, was right at the beginning with the very first playtest, with the first few playtests, where things were so different because it sets an expectation for the people yeah. who are everything should be who are yeah the the okay wow this this really is going to be 6th edition oh no no it's not 6th edition it's it's still 5th edition but all this stuff is really different and you said it's going to be backwards compatible and actually those things aren't compatible how are you oh no no um it's fine and then and then kind of clawing it back yeah um as Alex said, I, I think that's where this has really gone wrong. Massive which, being trouble. as it was the start, yeah. <laughs> is um, difficult. And on top of that, I feel, and again, this is this is conjecture, but next year is the what's the fiftieth anniversary of D and D? Something like that. It's some, something like that, and so there is <laughs> going to be a load of pressure for there to be tie-in with that, and you know, get the new get the new revamp out for. Um, for the 50th anniversary, all of that stuff, and pressure from the corporate side of it to the the devs, because I, I have I have no doubt about the the spirit in which the the actual devs are making the game. You know, people can mm. say what they like about Jeremy Crawford and the, the devs and stuff. Whatever you, you can choose to believe that they are sincere about it or not. I choose to believe that they are sincere about their kind of development of the of the game that is their livelihood. Mm. Um, and that there is corporate pressure from above the impacts a lot of this yeah. stuff. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was that was all for for one D and D update. Um, there is there is a different thing I, I want to get your thoughts on. Well, just before we move on, I was just going to touch on you saying like the like them and the, and the changes stuff. I feel like the, all of it. I think unfortunately because it bounced off the back of all of the like OGL stuff mostly and then confusion about everything I feel like if they just at some point taken a step back and be like let's make a plan 
<laughs> like a document that really outlines what they are trying to change. Because it seems as though everything's just been like, everyone makes some changes and then we'll throw them out and see what happens. But you know, Which is you know, fine for smaller things, but... I think they did have a plan. And they started down that path at the beginning, like Joe said. And it didn't work. Yeah, and then they need to step back and reevaluate the plan. Yeah, my point is... They should have stopped no. and gone, hang on, this isn't working. Let's start again. Instead of my trying point to is none of... of this aligns by any kind of a plan. And like you say, at this point, because they're calling it like 5A or whatever the hell they come up to the end of, if they just... Because they no, do stay... Just 5A. Like, they're, they're literally just... They're not oh, yeah, making yeah. any distinction. The point is, is if they... Yeah, if they... <laughs> if they had stepped back and been like, what it's actually going to end up being is this, and, and set expectations. I think you used the word expectations as a really good word for it. Helping the players understand what they should be expecting rather than every time they come out with a new playtest, letting everyone kind of work out oh, where's this leading, what's actually happening. And like you say, then taking some of it into the back and saying, you're never going to see this again until we're done. So everyone's like, okay, but I have no idea what the end result's going to be at this point. It could be a big change. It could be a tiny change. Who knows? Probably the smaller change, but they might come out and be like, so now bards don't exist. And, you know, fucking... That's possible. <laughs> and if they're calling it 5e, then that's bards just have a class, I guess. What bard be a bard? Yeah, my... Rogue? Nothing. Sorcerer, probably. Sorcerer, maybe? Yeah. It's a magical yeah. sorcerer, kind of. It's a it's a full caster in yeah, in five A. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they were always full casters magical, in previous editions. Uh, musical, sorry, yeah, musical wizard ish because it's not inherent power. Because it's learned. Think. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you go to college for it. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. There you go. Phil. What's, right, what's so the other thing the you other wanted thing. to bring up? <laughs> I could tell the you. Other, the other thing <laughs> is. Thing. Is something that I saw from uh, a channel uh, from a guy called Treant Monk, who I uh, mentioned it, a couple yeah, of times before. Yes, he does excellent analysis. So he, he Mark, if you're unfamiliar, uh, he approaches D and D from the angle of optimization. What what are the optimal choices for usually combat? Uh, and he goes into some real who, who is, in depth analysis. Who, who is uh, it's called Treant Monk. Treant like the kind of tree monster. Tr uh, and then Monk on it. Uh, and he goes into some real in-depth analysis. He does the maths on like probabilities to hit chance, etc., etc. Um, it's certainly not for everyone because it can be a bit dry, but for example, his most recent video was, uh, is it worth it to pit, to, to, to use Hunter's Mark on a Ranger? Um, and really going into like the maths of kind of damage and to hit and stuff like that. Um, but he also went going through new subclasses or things that are play, being playtested. Uh, he has a lot of really great insights, I think, about design. And so he had, he had been approached by another kind of D&D content creator about a game that they are making. And he kind of shed some light on it. So he said he, he wasn't being paid to do it. He just feels passionately about it. And I really like the sound of it. So I would like to see if you two like the sound of it. Uh, it's called DC20. And it is by a guy called The Dungeon Coach whose stuff I haven't I haven't really seen, um, but I really like it. So, um, you have both played D&D 5e, I believe. I have indeed. Um, yep. Have you both played Divinity Original Sin? I have played Divinity I have played Divinity 2. I have played... I don't believe mm -hmm. I have. Yeah, I've played Original Sin. Uh, you haven't. I'm pretty sure I have. I think you would... 
I think you would enjoy it, Mark. So it it is a D and D like game. Uh, it's made by the same people who have just made Baldur's Gate. Um, yeah, which I have played. And but uh, it's based more on Pathfinder than it is on D and D. Baldur's Gate is D and D based. Yeah. yeah. Um, Divinity is is Pathfinder based. Um, well, I, I think it's I think it's a take on Fact. on that. I'm not Pathfinder sure alike, but you know it, yeah. it's an easier way to reference. Um, what I would t- term DC twenty as is a marriage of D and D five E and the the system from Divinity. Mm. So uh, in in this, and so I have I have not played or looked into Pathfinder, so I don't know how similar it is or, or how much is borrowed from different things. Anyone who has can can tell me. Um, so D and D five E, you have in terms of the things you can do as a player. You have your action, bonus action, and reaction. Mm-hmm. If you if you're in like the round yeah. system, in this you have action points. Yeah. So you have four action points, and you can spend them on basically whatever you want. So if you can move thirty feet, uh, although in this he's changed it to um, just spaces because we all count out one, two, three, four, five, yeah. six anyway. So it's you can move six spaces. Um, that might be one point. If on someone else's turn you can interact with something and you have an ability that lets you do whatever, you can do you can do that. You just spend one of your points. You just won't then have it when it, on your turn, and you can do it as kind of a reaction. If on someone else's turn before you, and you might spend all four of your points before it actually gets to your turn, that and that kind of thing. So I that in, intrigued me a lot because that seemed quite similar to. Divinity, which uh, I really enjoyed. Yeah, Divinity uh, Pathfinder is um, is based on the, as far as I'm aware, the the, the action point system. Um, we also have a change um, with the um, with the stats. So, what are the six stats in uh, in Five E, chaps? Yeah, can you remember? Okay. Strength, dexterity, <laughs> constitution, <laughs> wisdom, <laughs> intelligence, and charisma. The Riz. Uh, when was the last time you made or asked for a constitution check? Not a save, a check. You don't really. I, yeah. I'm trying to think if I've done it. I want to say I have done one fairly recently. But it's definitely an oddity because it, uh, yes, usually yeah. a constitution save. Yeah, because there are there are no skills based on yeah. constitution. No. So, uh, and then last thing before I get to why I'm asking these kind of obvious but obtuse questions, uh, <laughs> what's the difference uh, between intelligence and wisdom? Yeah, that's intelligence. Other than other than what they do, the way I have for always you seen in it. terms of skills and stuff. The way I've I've always seen what's it. the difference? The way I've always <laughs> seen it is intelligence is your knowledge, your wisdom is your common sense and worldly. Uh, I see. I would have said, wisdom is your learned knowledge, and intelligence is your reasoning skills. So intelligence, no, intelligence is, is book knowledge. Intelligence is book knowledge because especially if you refer down to the skills that it it applies to, it's very. It's very book knowledge style stuff. I history. Don't know. Investigation is intelligence. On the yes, other hand, like there's obviously oddities on, the hand, on it. And the whole, exactly, history and stuff like that. Whereas wisdom tends to be much more. Perception um, is wisdom. Exactly. Common sense, worldly knowledge. 
so you might think wisdom is sort of wisdom is sort of intelligence plus experience it's applicable intelligence is natural intelligence which is why i generally say common sense and and book knowledge but it's fair to say it can be a lot of things to different people would you agree yeah yeah. Yeah, i agree so dc20 doesn't have six stats they have four all right so it has been boiled down into might which is your strength of body yeah agility your balance nimbleness and dexterity Mm. intelligence your reasoning, understanding, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all in one. Mm. And then charisma, your charm, presence, persuasiveness, and force of will. I would be so, interested to see that run in person makes, only because I, as much sense, as the Constitution doesn't have a place, I do think there is a strong difference between muscle and Constitution. Yes, but I would, because you don't have to be able to like stomach some food poisoning. No, that's true. But generally speaking, if you have con- a high constitution, it gives high hit points. So generally speaking... In D&D, yes. I'm talking I'm more that's generally talking. in terms of the yeah, I'm, separation. But I'm, I'm thinking that in terms of certainly the skill sets and so on, you, in D&D, you can say, I've got rubbish strength. Or I can, I, you could have a really good strength, but a terrible constitution. Now that would be, you'd be a very muscular, but somehow easily injured person. I would be interested to see how it it works to apply, like, resistance against poison to your strength, effectively. I think I can solve this in that I think it is folded into both hmm. might and agility. Um, so if you are very agile, but not very strong, as Mark says it would make sense that you still are strong of constitution because you have the muscles or the um, the, the constitution to enable you to be oh, dexterous, no. uh, therefore. Um, something else about, about these is um, rather than having a score of, say, 16, 18, 10, 8, whatever, because what, what are those scores used for? Outside of halving them to get your modifier, yeah. are they used for anything other than really? arguments about which one goes on top on your character sheet? <laughs> you most yeah. certainly do not halve them to get your your modifier. But it'd be nice if you did. No, but you, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, don't you, yes. I mean, the only if, the only if other you time, do, I was yes. going to adjust my character sheet. Slightly. Yeah, the only <laughs> yeah. other time of course, that you use it is like um, practical, like on. being able to um, <laughs> multi-class. Uh, no, there, there are places where it comes mm-hmm. up. There are places where you can there sort are, of but, like but it's, use it's it, but realistically, issues. which is why I don't understand people that put the the big put the um, the stat number. Yeah, above modif- the modifier modifiers. on top supremacy because Absolutely. because not even from like a just like uh, you know um, uh, jam or or clotted cream first on the scroll. And it's like it does make a difference because one of them you actually look at, and the other one exists. <laughs> yeah. So why would you have that one? So instead of doing that, DC20 just has the modifier number, essentially. That is the whole stat is is, is scaled down. Um, Does it have half numbers? Oh, I guess for its own system it wouldn't. It it doesn't need it. If you have a strength of three and it says add your strength, you just add Mm. three. Or, Or might, I suppose it would be. Um... Can either of you tell me what is rules as written 
the maximum modifier you can have without using one of the legendary items that takes you above the limit. We're talking D&D. D&D. D&D 5. Well, the max yeah. stat you're supposed to be able to get to is 20. So well, it's no, plus... Because you can... You can you can force it above, but the max you can... 20 is plus put 3. Put it to, up to is 20, which is not plus 3. It is plus 5. It's plus 5. Plus 5. Plus five. Yeah. Yeah, because it's 10 above 10. Yeah. So you halve that 10. Yeah. Um, in this, uh, it is, it goes over five. So, um, let me see if I can, yeah. So, the, so it has a limit for levels. So you, you cannot go above that limit in certain things, uh, at certain times. So it goes up to plus seven because the idea is that as you level up in D in D&D, you actually you don't progress all that much because if you start and you can very easily start with a plus three in whatever your main stat is right so the police are after you apparently yes exactly i was thinking is that from here <laughs> um it's uh it's the pinkertons it's the oh, no. <laughs> been sent by wizards of the coast um so if you start with a plus three as a level one character in say strength let's say you're just a classic sword wielding fighter and up to level 20 your modifier only improves by two yeah that doesn't feel like a lot of progression no. in terms of your the main thing that you are good at um and yes you have a proficiency bonus that might go on top and that goes up as well but that's also then a separate thing that you've got to keep track of and, and be doing stuff with so in this you just it, it goes up to seven, which I, I think is good. Which I also um, being able to add just numbers as numbers rather than making a calculation hundred because I, I find especially like in Baldur's Gate or anything, but to any characters that I, I'm making, it's like oh I want to I want to put one more into my dexterity, but if I do, it goes up to seventeen, yes. and then nothing changes. And yes, it is better for the future, but then I have to wait for the next time I can add something on, which is like three levels away. Yes. And that's just so far away to just waste the whole point when I could just put it on something else. Like, it, it completely removes that, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is frustrating when you go up a level and it's like... Because then you're just like, I'll just stick a feet on instead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This also leads us on to the conversation of if you wanted to make a physically strong sorcerer uh, in 5e, can you? Yes. Should you? Should you? Probably not. Because you because because you get to lose. You end up yeah, sort of. It, it makes you. Both. Yeah, it makes you worse at the thing that you that you Should mainly do. And a hundred percent, some people will want to play like that for a because either they don't care about you know making that yeah, thing yeah, better. Yeah. Uh, if they're super into the role play of their character and you know their goals or whatever, and maybe they're a wizard who is happy with what they've done and they're actually really into bodybuilding, whatever. Mm -hmm. But in this, you can do those things because you have what is called your prime modifier, and all that is is it is your highest attribute, so mm. your might, agility. Uh, intelligence and charisma so checks that you make for uh, attack checks spell checks your save DC and your awareness checks so your perception checks 
always uses your highest modifier. So you can be a wizard who is mighty in, in body without being a bad wizard. Now, there, there are drawbacks and, and, you know, there are trade-offs further down the line. Um, but you can still be a good wizard if you are physically strong. Because it doesn't immediately nerf you into the ground mechanically. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, like, it, it, I, I like that to play would completely require, like, a, re, a rewiring of a brain. Because inherently there is nothing wrong with that as a method. But it's so ingrained to be like, you know, that it almost like yeah. the um, like the color wheel of like where you are for what character and what stat. It's very difficult yeah. to think because like, my first thing is just like, but how the fuck do you use might as a wizard? But the answer is well, however you want because I mean we're not exactly foreign to skinning. <laughs> Let's be no, honest. No, exactly, exactly. But you know, I, 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 as you say, because I was thinking it, it takes away that at the moment in in when we do five E style, the class you choose almost sets in a given fight situation so that scenario rather than just the obviously the gameplay we just role playing but if you're getting into a situation where you're actually going to use your skills and so on there is a certain place in the fight in the field of battle where you're going to stand if you're a magic user you are going to be weak you have to stand back if you're a good fighter you go up front because you can't do anything for distance not much. if you really break down the dnd stats and how they apply for example intelligence as a wizard at a certain level yes it makes sense you read books you learn spells you are a wizard but still doesn't actually explain where the magic comes from <laughs> like skinning wise like uh role play wise um and the same with like <clears throat> if you're a a warlock you use charisma but using charisma to cast spells again, if you break it down, it's like, how does that work? Does <laughs> it? I <laughs> like. I am so glad that you mentioned the warlock because I like warlock. Look, there's there's two things to say about it. It is it is a very fun. It's class. A fun class. I am a big fan of. of it's my of favorite magic as it, as it currently magic is. Master. Um. So the flavor, as given in the player's handbook for warlock, is you have made made a deal uh mm. with with something uh uh and or you have learned learned not force of personality or charmed occult secrets mm. that you might never have known and they have changed you in some way and they've granted you dark power because you have this forbidden knowledge is that is that a personality kind of thing no uh no, no. um no. and it's quite a common question I, I have seen in, in things like, you know, the D&D subreddits of like, is it okay, is it busted to just make the casting modifier for Warlock intelligence? The answer is, no, not really, not at all. It's just no. that you will be better at some skills. So, yeah. but that's no, just it the same as it, a wizard. I think... I think the difference is the main the main difference. Of course, it doesn't make any dif any difference to playing. But the main difference, of course, here is whether or not you're given a reason as to why you have magic or whatever or not. Now, I feel as though this it doesn't inverse because you're not going to have high charisma and therefore be able to. Well, yeah, well, no, it does. But I'm trying to like you know reason it in my brain of like having high charisma and therefore being a good fighter. But I guess again however you want it to so this is a way you could explain why charisma is your base stat as a as a warlock so you have made a deal with the devil 
or with a some powerful being. So to make the deal, you have had to persuade them in some way or give something. So when you come into a battle situation, you want to draw on that power. You have to persuade them to let you use that power at that particular moment because they're evil. Yeah. They're not going to screw with you ever. So, well, see, but there again, that it, but that pigeonholes into the idea that warlocks are evil, which again well, is yeah, a, it, like it, a, it, a, it, a power, but that's, that's not what I was talking about. That's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about in DC twenty using charisma as a reason why you'd be a good fighter. Because like I can understand if you're strong, you punch things hard. If you're fast, you are you know you're nimble. Like that's obviously dex dexter dexterity and being good at fighting is exists. Intelligence, you. Uh, are more than able to know where you should hit, how you should hit, that fully, of course, you'd be a good fighter if you're really smart. Charisma is a difficult one to justify, not that you couldn't find a justification. I disagree. I'm thinking, I'm thinking in terms of very Eve when I was doing my bit of fencing. Uh, and we were, I was talking to somebody about, um, it, was a, it was a long convoluted conversation, but the, one of the things we were talking about was confidence in the fight. And if you're confident in a, in a sword fight, it comes across and you can actually get a hit which you wouldn't otherwise get. So you can be like, you you can exude that confidence and that can have an effect on the other person's perception of how, oh, they're gonna be. That's pretty much the example that, that they give. So Alex, you're, you're, you're totally right about the other three is that they say, you know, if you are mighty, you can hit very hard and you might, you know, you might break through someone's defense. If you're agile, you're fast, you're nimble, you can strike uh, at times that people can't defend against. If you are intelligent, you are that kind of battle master-esque fighter of your brilliant tactician. And you're like, if I faint here, I can hit them here. If you are a charisma, well, if charisma is your prime modifier, it is you may, maybe you have the bearing of a master swordsman, or maybe you are just an intimidating opponent to fight for whatever reason, um, and and so may, that is why you are able to kind of uh, re reason out. I get it, and I would never like if I were DMing using the system, I'd never say like no to that, obviously, because realistically, it doesn't matter, but. It's, I feel like it's just the most... Th for, this is not like a comment on anything, really. It's just a comment. It's the most thinly veiled connection of all of them. Like The other ones are fairly obvious. J just because it's still... You don't talk yourself into a sword fight. Well, you can, I guess. You, you don't You don't win a, a sword fight by talking that much. I would be interested to play the system just because of the differences and I, I feel like it would be really hard to not influence how we play by D&D just because of how ingrained it is at this point but it would be interesting to see the differences I, it sounds like a much more freeing system but it sounds like one that you have to already kind of have a prior knowledge of uh, D20 based systems this this is why I say it's kind of a marriage between that divinity system and 5e because yeah. actually I think we could play this very easily. Yeah. So it still has things of, um, you know, the proficiency bonus. It's not like a, a static thing that goes up, but you have levels of mastery that you can mm. improve. So you can go from being a novice to an adept to an expert in stealth, say, and you can improve those things. Uh, but it isn't necessarily a... Um, uh, like a global yeah, yeah. In improvement thing um, but there is also um, so you have skill checks skill checks are very similar 
Um, there is one more thing that I wanted to kind of go over. I, I have bought the, the PDF um, of this. It's in, it's in alpha at the moment. So if you do want to have a look at it, just let me oh, know. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, and the thing I wanted to... There's, there's kind of two things. It's about combat. So I've already said about like... Um, the kind of the point system and you can kind of choose to spend it on this or spend it on that. Um, and you have a lot more freedom in that. Uh, but let me find. So while I am finding it, uh, do you two believe that martial characters and spell casting characters in D and D five E are equal in terms of power? We're talking purely mechanically. Mechanically. Such a such an argument builder, isn't it? It's such an argument maker. I think. See, I, I wasn't you asking this the other day. I think there is a different distribution of power. I'm sure you could work out the technicality of it mm. because uh, the phrase that sort of comes to mind is "you can't counter spell an arrow." Now, it doesn't necessarily mean one is better than the other or whatever, but the point is there are pl- pros and cons. Spells have spell slots, so you can do really powerful things once or twice. Whereas, though I know arrows can run out, but like swords, you swing infinitely, technically, and you always have like a level of power. So, not that I have given any kind of an answer, I would say my true opinion is I think magic is slightly more powerful because usually you don't go for long stints, but technically they have a different distribution of fairness or, or power. What do you think, Mark? I think it's a really interesting question. I think. Magic is potentially stronger, but it's harder to use well as a player. So, as you say, and also the which is better sort of crosses over as you go up the levels. So, in the in the low levels, if you know first level magic user, you've only got a couple of slots. You haven't got very particularly powerful spells. Whereas a low level a low level fighter can do. A, usable amount of damage has a fair number of hit points. As you go up and you come up against stronger monsters and so on, the fighter against the monster tends to sort of do that. You'll come you'll tend to if the game if the GM is doing it properly, you'll probably come up against harder monsters as you get as you going along. There'll always be a, a challenge you can just about manage. So for a fighter, a pure fighter type, it's doing that kind of thing. Whereas with a with a magic user, what you can do you can do more of it and you can do much more powerful things so as you go higher up you suddenly become a lot a lot more dangerous mm. I, I agree and disagree but then monks have like four attacks and can do a bunch of stuff as they go up I was thinking about monks monks are different and I really enjoy playing my monk I really, I'd love to go back to that but a monk is almost like a, a fighter really it's just a fighter with extra source because you can do lots and lots of attacks and that gets but it's still I, I think I think the magic user side the magic users in general become more fun as you go in the mid-range levels certainly because you get a lot more like i'm doing a magic user at the moment in uh, c3 and it's good but i only have now got to a point finally where i'm starting to get level two spells and i'm getting a bit more and i'm getting another extra slot or two so i can actually rather than at the beginning of a fight going i'll cast one spell now better not do anything else just yet because i've only got three Whereas a fight is in like, hit, 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 run away, arrow, hit, hit, hit. And I'm like, uh, shall I use a second spell now? Whereas later on, it's like, I can afford to throw a few spells around, low level spells around, and then I've still got some 
big ones to fire later. So you've you've both mentioned about kind of attack versus spell. So my next question to you is, is an attack from a martial character equal to a leveled spell, which is a finite resource, but can do more powerful things? Or is it equal to a cantrip, which is not a finite resource and scales in the, in a similar way to... It's more, uh, I would say it's more like... Because that's what I, one of the things that nice things about Warlock, although it can make it a bit delicate and careful, is that you get the... Uh, what's it called? Eldritch Blast. Eldritch Blast. You get that at the beginning, and it's very much like having a, 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 you know, a fighter ability because it's uh, it scales you should go up, and it's mm. a, you can it's a, a never ending. So I think I think it's different because I think all of this also excludes the fact that like fighters have subclasses and oh yeah features it's... that they can use that are not yeah, just yeah. smack things with sword. Yeah, we're, we're talking about kind of the basic concepts of of the two. Absolutely, we, we, we are absolutely generalizing. I, I fully agree, but I think it's unfair to do so because when you talk about magic casters and then saying you have higher level spells and such, I think the equivalent of that is the subclass and like the extra stuff that you can do as a fighter. The reason I and it, because if you only compare the very basic level of the fighter, then you can only compare to, as you say, the cantrips of a wizard, at which point... Tenches, but I'd say the counter-argument is that, that a lot of the extra saucy stuff you get as a fighter as you get the levels are spells or magic magically based they're clever i, I was gonna say alex if if you're including that the fight you know fighters or marshals have their subclasses it's not like spellcasters don't have subclasses no 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 they, I, they too are getting extra stuff they do but i think that again it integrates with the fact that they have higher level spell slots rather than being just new stuff in some i just not entirely this but new stuff they can do that is wildly more powerful than just swinging the sword uh, and that's right and, and of course this also comes back to what i was saying before about it depends how you play it if you want if you're mm. uh, if you're a simplistic player then a fighter is a lot easier because you well, this, this, is why, this is why I asked if you were talking user, mechanically. Exactly. With a magic user, you've got to think about it. Not only, it's not just, oh no, I don't want to use up my spell slots. It's also, you have a list of clever things to do, which are not just, apart from magic missile, ping, or, or Eldritch Blast. The rest of it is like, if I do this, it'll help. If I do that, it will. If I cast a fireball at them, is it going to evaporate all that water and get everyone to drown themselves? That kind of thing, you know, you've got to you've got to be thinking about what you're doing much more than a fighter who is there's the, even a some of the more complex ones like monks and so on. It boils down to there's the target. I'm going to go and hit it. See, that is exactly the opposite of what I was about to say. I think if you're playing a character, at, if you're playing a martial character as there's the thing I'm going to hit it, then you're playing the character wrong. Yes, and I agree with that. But I'm, what I'm saying is, if you want to play simplistically. Than a fight as much yeah, simplistically sure, but this is this is what this is why I said mechanically at the beginning because obviously there's flair to it, and also using the skills that you have to do stuff more than just <laughs> I'm going to walk over and smack it, which I think is why people get bored of barbarians so much. Yes, exactly. Because so, they, I mean, somebody... they play them, they play them simply and expect more to happen, and it doesn't. Exactly. I, I think I'm in, sure there was a reason play... why you asked this question originally, Joe. <laughs> there, there is a reason. Um, so it sounds like. For different reasons, you would both agree that there is some kind of disparity between oh, a disparity. martial and spellcasting. I think so, yes. Def but you, you would agree that there is. How would you feel about them being a bit more equal in terms of 
their ability to to do things with within their own wheelhouses so i'm not we're not talking about you know just homogenizing them you know fighters are in, still doing fightery things spellcasters are still doing spell things but how would you feel about them being a bit more equal in terms of their ability to do stuff really depends I on mean, how broadly, that gets presented <laughs> broadly it's hard it, to say it, it, it would be good as long as, as a base as, concept yes yes but as long as it doesn't get too complicated for those who are not good at playing complex characters yeah so what it is is basically in this system martial characters get their equivalent of kind of cantrips and sort of spells so in 5e we have Battlemaster Fighter. It is yep. a very, very popular version of Fighter, and is often said, you know, why don't we just make that the base fighter so that all fighters can have the ability to potentially disarm, distract, uh, you know, do all of these things that are flashy and and all of that. So in this, they basically they they get that. Uh, it's still you know it has a cost. Uh, in terms of your uh, resources. So you, fighter characters gain a resource called stamina, which you can consider to be like superiority dice or like mm. key points for the monk. Yeah. Um, and it might be that to disarm someone or attempt to disarm someone, it takes an action point because you are doing an action, but it also costs a stamina in the same way as it might cost... Um, uh, a spell uh, to, to do something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, sorry, I think there are some that don't cost stamina. The stamina comes in, sorry, with the next kind of level up of that, your leveled spell equivalent, mm. which is what's called a technique. Yeah. And then these are these are kind of influenced by, so your kind of maneuvers everyone can do, techniques are then influenced by your class and subclass and stuff. So one of the a technique might be, it might cost two stamina and an action point, but you jump up in the air and you bring your big greatsword down on someone's head and you transfer kind of the falling damage that you would have taken to them as part of this big, massive attack. How does that sound it, in terms of concept? Well, I mean, that sounds very much like I was saying at the end of that, of like using, if you just go over to something and try to smack it, you're playing a martial character wrong because it, it legitimizes things like wanting to jump off a wall, climb up a surface and, and jump down use the environment to enhance an attack as a uh, D&D fighter without having to then spend five minutes talking with your DM about how, how that that's actually yeah. going to practically I, out and how I much like the idea. The only uh, caveat would be it, 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 as long as it doesn't get too complicated. I mean, it's the same as spells. I, I know in the 5e sort of system, it's and actually it's not. I was going to say it's relatively straightforward, but it's not really, because you've got to add in all your bonuses, and you've got to look for, you know, do I get an advantage, and if I am I five feet away from somewhere? There's a lot of stuff going on. So I, I probably, I take it back, actually. I think it's it's probably fine on reflection. Where's my, so, my zoom gone? So what I, the way I would kind of balance that out, uh, out of in terms of complicated mm -hmm. is that these are always optional things. If you want to just hit stuff, you can. Uh, and then the added layer of complexity is there for those who who, who want it. And so, but so these are some of the the examples. So, extend attack is a maneuver that costs an action point. Increase your melee range by one, uh, or your or your ranged attack by five spaces. 
you know, to, an equivalent to give yourself the reach property. Uh, Alex, you'll probably find that these a lot of these are reminiscent of the new weapon masteries yeah, yeah. Um, that are in one D&D. So, for example, sweep attack. So, so an action the point, choose is, an additional target, yes. etc. The setup is you do the you do this, and it costs an action point, and then you do the attack, and that has an effect on the attack because the attack also costs. An uh, right? I believe so. Yeah. So it's as so it's you spend a point to modify your attack, and modifying stuff will come up in, uh, in a few minutes. Uh, but it is not just attack. If you want to focus on defensive stuff, if you would mm. like to parry. Uh, if you want to make yourself better at grappling, you know, not everyone will probably get all of these, but they, these are the kind of the branching paths you could go down in a similar way to cantrips or spells or, or that kind of thing. Um, you know, and there are, there are ones for, for weapons. So similar to weapon masteries in one D&D, if you have an axe, then you automatically get this. It's kind of like in Baldur's Gate, what they've implemented there. If you have an axe, you can use the axe maneuver to, at the cost of one action point, do one extra damage, and they have to make a save against bleeding, which then has something. Um, And then there is something else on here of style passive. So because you are using an axe in that weapon style, you deal an extra damage against creatures that are bloodied, or bleeding and you kind of you get things for doing the thing that you that you do in the same way that say wizards get things that help them be better wizards because they are a wizard as an example yeah I, so i have i have two things i want to say but i want to i want you to hold your comments before i said the second one because they do bounce off each other <laughs> yeah i'm not going to mm-hmm. the first one is i think this would be a it's a very intimidating system for anyone who hasn't played a TTRPG before. I think if you took tried to take this as your first system, you'd get lost and probably not find it as fun. Whereas us bouncing from D&D to this, I think we'll have a lot of fun because we have a basic idea of how to do good TTRPG practices and then applying it to this. The second thing I was going to say, however, was it's hilarious that this is doing a much better job of being one D&D than one D&D is. <laughs> yes. I mean, I I would... I was going to say, I, I would agree with that. I, I think, I think, I'm not sure. It's difficult. The, the problem is, it's difficult to know how somebody who didn't know D&D already hmm. would find it, because we do. And it's there. I think, I think it would be a sharp learning curve. I Maybe, but I think, if you think about... Sorry, Joe, two seconds. <laughs> If you think about back, I don't it won't be two seconds. <laughs> when you give crush my back to, I mean, for me actually, when we when we restarted playing, not that long, well, actually it's a few years ago now, when we restarted playing, D&D had moved a long way from when it was when I started, and I had, to, and I've never, I mean, in some ways, the fact that I knew the old system has got in the way because I, I tended not to, not spend enough time learning how the new system works, and. That hasn't really stopped me because I just ignore the bits I don't really understand and just go with it. And then if I get it wrong, someone will tell me. And I think you get this as long as you didn't have a whole group of people all starting a DC20 at the same time, all getting very confused. And even then, it would probably work because they did just do. But a DC20 campaign where two or three have done it before and a couple haven't would probably be okay, I think. Joe, mm. sorry. I 
So I agree about the the one D and D thing. I, I think that this has captured what is missing from mm-hmm. that they are trying to implement a little yes. bit with the the weapon mastery stuff. But all they've done is is the weapon mastery stuff. I think I, I agree, Mark, that it's it's going to be a little hard for us to tell because we're looking at it as people who play Five E mm-hmm. pretty regularly. But I think that we're also looking at it as that was a list of all of the things that you can do. Someone starting to play this is at level one. They're picking maybe one of those things. True. Uh, and so it's attack. Really oh, and I can also, I can spend a point to do this as well. So I'm going to choose to do that or I'm going to choose not to do that. Although, like 5e actually, if you're coming into 5e cold and you want to start a new character and understand how the character is going to work, although you're right, you're only choosing one, you're presented initially with 800 possibilities. Yes. I, I, now. I would never recommend a wizard for a first-time player be- no. because, no. I mean, good God, why? And even beyond that, <laughs> even beyond that, if you think about it, somebody, if I, I, I as I say, I, I've not really got properly into, I've never read into all this stuff because I, did, I didn't have to start from scratch. I knew mm. how to play, so I didn't need to start from scratch. So therefore, I've never looked at properly all the classes and subclasses, as you have. And because you started from, in a very sensible, from zero, and then you worked your way up. Or I started at about 15% in and <laughs> never really gone up because I've got enough to keep me going without having to. That causes me a problem, though, when I come to creating a new character. Because I'm going to do a new character now. In my head, I'm going, right, new character, is he going to be a fighter? A magic user, a thief, or a druid. Ah, uh-uh, there's like twenty, and I don't. I have to start from. I don't really there's so many choices. And even though when I've finally gone for a choice, and I've got my 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 cleric and my sub, I'm going to go in this particular subclass. And then once you start playing it, there's only a couple of things you've got to remember because at that point you you only got a couple of things and you work your way up gradually for that character. Presented with the whole thing initially, even as a beginner, you know, as you say, there's only going to be one they need to choose, but they've got to get to that choice first. So, but I think that's true for 5e as well. It's not just, not just it's anybody coming in fresh is going to have a problem with either system. Yeah. Unless there's someone there who knows it, who can say, well, what you should be doing. I think like, so. don't go wizard. I think I'd be super interested to, tra- to track the progress of this. I, I could 100% see, depending on where this goes, this being the system we move to once we've yeah. got bored of it. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to keep an eye on this. I and, you know, as it, as it shapes up, 100% I might really pitch this. Oh, yeah. Um, Definitely. I, I really want to. Because I have seen, I've I've looked into Pathfinder a little bit, and obviously this, what I have seen of this is what we have spoken about today, and so far... If I was coming at it fresh with no knowledge, I'm not sure. Like I said, it's the one that I would pick. But coming at it from D&D, I think it's a really nice step over (laughs) to a system that we can both enjoy, gives us more freedom, and also we don't have to be associated with the coast because, you know. (laughs) I mean, it would seem to me a very sensible move to do a little mini campaign in that some point yeah, yeah 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 definitely yeah. Well, we'll, we, we'll do something on the side whether yeah, yeah. who's who's gming it doesn't really matter as long yeah. as we can uh, anybody understand. anybody who's who's 
maybe it's Joe would be fine. Really. Well, you see, I, I, possibly Joe, but also <laughs> if it was something they were actually going to move to, I think I'd be more keen for me to, because if I'm going to be doing the main campaign in it, yeah, I want to understand that, more. That's the true, but I would like it to be done properly. Wow, that's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> that's so uncalled for. Well, to, to move it on then, uh, from that burn, <laughs> let's talk about spells. Um, maybe a flame spell. Uh, fireball. So, I do like my fireball. so we've we've talked we've talked about kind of marshals and what they get. So what are the casters getting uh, that is different to five e? So casters do not have spell slots in this. Yeah. In the same way that fighters have stamina points, casters have mana points. That makes sense. And so, so it it works, kind of in a way that you would expect. And I mentioned earlier about combining things or modifying things I said we would come back to. That is how your higher level spells, quote unquote, work. So... Question? Yes. Is there more than one magic type like there is in 5e? Yes. So that, so they have... So you have all, all the different spell schools are basically the same. Mm. And the spells are split into... Uh, kind of primal, arcane, divine, which is what One mm. D was thinking about doing, and I believe Pathfinder does something along those lines. But you also have different classes. Um, so Firebolt, yes. Fire. So you can see it is a cantrip. destruction cantrip. Mm -hmm. It's available to the wizard and sorcerer. So this, this, all of all this stuff, Pretty you know, cool. arcane Similar. and primal. Yeah. That's that's new to like mm -hmm. what's how One D D was doing. But this should should all look relatively similar. Mm -hmm. Uh, 10 spaces, it costs an action point, uh, not a mana point. You make a spell attack, you can expend uh, one action point to make a, a spell check against the, uh, I can't remember what PD is, but it's like the AC, yeah. um, within uh, range. Uh, if they hit, they take two fire damage. Physical defense. So this is, a, this is, this is another thing, um, you don't roll damage dice in this. You everything has its own damage number. So if you mm -hmm. hit with an axe, you might do two damage. Mm -hmm. The way that you increase that damage uh, at its basic level is on how well you roll. So for example, uh, if you roll and you exactly hit someone's AC, uh, say it's a say their AC is sixteen. If you have if you roll a fourteen and you have a plus four, you have exactly hit it. Great, roll, now roll your damage die. If you roll a 19 and add four, great, do exactly the same thing. There's no benefit to having rolled any better mm -hmm. unless you get a nat 20. Whereas in this, every five that you roll over what is effectively the AC, add another damage point. So you are rewarded for rolling higher. You don't lose out for, for hitting it. You still do exactly what it says, but you are rewarded if you roll higher. Um, so ju that just explains the, the kind of da the damage numbers. In terms of the spell thing, so you have a, a much like the weapons had a passive. So the axe, you got an extra point of damage against people that were quite wounded or bleeding. On a cantrip passive, for this one, you get a plus one damage against creatures that are burning. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Here is where the modification comes in. Here is where you start to kind of spend resources. So action point enhancements. 
spend an additional action point, you deal an additional fire damage. Mm -hmm. Spend an additional action point, you can increase the range by five spaces. Spend an additional action point. They make a, uh, a save. If they fail, they start to burn. And there's no limit on what you on on how many of these you can do in a turn. You could do all of those with your action of like your action point of casting it. Do three modifications, and that's your turn. You've done all four action points mm -hmm. on one thing. Um, so it frees you up to kind of do that. So so you are able to do that with these like these cantrips that are on here. Uh, if I find um here we go grease that's a classic DD spell so this is a leveled spell so it costs you two action points and a mana point to cast mm -hmm. and it gives you the range how long it lasts how it actually works now this when, is an, so, another so, strange thing when it says sorry duration sorry. one minute is that one physical minute so that's how that's one, in game one, like rounds right so I think it works on a six-second round right, fine, again. Fine, yeah. Um, so this is another thing in terms of doing a spell. So lots of spells in D&D are, what, are what's known as save or suck. Hmm. You do it, and it either happens or it doesn't happen, and you've wasted all your stuff. In this, so you cast a spell, you make a spell check. If you succeed then the grease covers ground in four spaces of your choosing. If you don't succeed, you still get grease, it's just in one less space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So no matter what happens, you still get something from it, even if you roll badly. I assume then the, um, um, whoever is standing in the grease would roll a equivocal equivalent of a uh, dexterity save to... Uh, it says, says here... Um, if a creature is standing in Greece, oh, when yeah. the spell initially appears, when they end their turn, or if they enter agility in that, they, then they then make their thing. Yeah. So what's the agility save but, based on number-wise in this? Is it based on the... Because it's not preset there. Uh, it would be based on um, whatever your prime modifier is. So I don't know if it's 8 plus whatever. I don't know if, what the formula is uh, off the top of my head, but it would be based on your prime attribute. But what number are you aiming for what i'm saying is what 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 is the dc for whether you pass or save uh, pass or fail on your agility uh, i do not yet know it will it will go up as as you level up as in dnd but i don't know what the formula is for working it out hmm. i will look that up for it's, you. The, the only reason i ask is obviously there's a difference to how these spells work yeah obviously you know when you cast it you get to how well you cast it depends on how much space it takes up and all that which is is mm -hmm. interesting for sure it's more just in D, D, you would then be making a dexterity save based on for greece is there a set dc or is it it doesn't really matter but you, no, you want you only get set dcs from items yeah so it would be you'd be doing a, a um dexterity save so against on... the spellcaster's modifier yeah yeah. But in this one... Or, or, or whatever it sets it as. So this is what I'm wondering. In this one, is it against the person who cast it? Yeah, so against that person's spell DC, which is calculated in some way from their sure. prime attribute. Um, so, But again, so because this is a leveled spell, 
quote unquote level spell. It's a spell that consumes mana to cast. Hmm. You spend mana to enhance it. So you can spend one mana point, you add on four spaces straight away, regardless of if you have passed or failed that kind of initial check of how how well you have cast it. And then there is another one of spend another mana point to make the fire damage it deals if it is on fire because it's a flammable thing. You, that increases by one. Uh, and and it's for it's for all sorts of stuff. Um, so a lot of it is very similar. So there's Mark's favorite of magic missile, for example. Yeah. Um, but it's as you you mentioned about fireball, Mark. So you know there's things here. So burning hands, for example. Oh yes. Um, you might spend a mana point to change the origin of the spell to 15 spaces instead of starting from you. Mm-hmm. So rather than casting fireball you go i know fireball i will cast fireball you go i know burning hands it is in itself kind of like a little tree if i can i have these options i'm going to turn burning hands into fireball and cast it yeah it's interesting that burning flames there says it could be a line line cone or sphere Oh, yeah. so, it's, so it's just like you do fire spell <laughs> and then like, yeah, yeah. This, I think this this again comes back to so I think you'd need if we were playing yeah, this we need yeah. to track things a hell of a lot more but then also yeah like the complexity of this would be it, very intimidating so that's the thing is it is it more because it's a trade-off of spell slots and you might you will likely know less spells yeah, I mean more um, world effects because like, so I, are more. you tracking or, for example, with the grease, that you can modify it to make it do one more damage when it's set on fire, which is something that you'd have to note down. Rather than, like, tracking in the terms of, that, like, a person tracking their spell slots, I mean more notation of what's going yeah, on. That's not, that's only the same, but if, 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 as a cleric, if I do a sort of whatever, I forget the spell now, but, you know, like, you get an extra d4 on your defense, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff, when you cast a spell and like an ongoing effect you've got to remember that so it's only similar. yes i'll say i'll say as well i think that, well the aim of this we would have to play test it to, fi- to find out if this is the case the aim of this combat system is to be faster than it is in 5e mm. pathfinder of it so for example you roll one dice on your attack uh unless you have advantage or disadvantage but you roll one it is both your to hit and your damage because mm. the numbers are set um so you're not having to go 20 does that hit yes okay let me get out my dice and now i roll these i will now add them up and this much damage how much of that is radiant because it's reduced you know etc etc it's i've done two damage with an axe you know there are damage damage types in there that is a simplification but i i think with it being faster it's coming round more often and so if you have invested a mana point to say do the thing where it does more damage if it's on fire you're probably planning to set it on fire and because it's coming around faster you know you're not having 10 minute turns for everyone i think you're more likely to remember it even if you're not kind of annotating things now hmm. i you would have to play it we're going to find an issue of have um like a, an equivalent of dnd beyond <laughs> Uh, there is editable uh, character sheets. Uh, I can show you the character sheet if you want. At some point in the future, 
I don't want to get too into this because I, I, I was there. too read through a lot of it myself to get a grasp. Yeah, there, there are there are other things I'd love to talk about with it, but I will I will hold myself there because I know I've I've talked about it a lot. No, it's fine. Uh, I will just say that the the whole thing about there being like two physical stats and two mental stats mm. is on purpose, as that there, no, there yeah. is built in balance of like what you pick affects what and, and stuff yeah. like that. Like I said before, I think it's it's. Uh, it is what one D&D should have been or I think wants to be and honestly it's probably because it's a smaller team of people and there is a lot of less a lot less corporate bullshit mm. and there's a lot more just like what actually need what do we need and what can be better rather than what quotas do we need to fill so it doesn't have feats but... I do not believe actually, that there are feats yet I, I say that if there was a box in the bottom right that said features is that... so does this run on its own system of like class names and um, races uh, and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you what the current class names are. Uh, current classes are Barbarians, Clerics, Fighters, Monks, Paladin, Scion, Ranger, Rogue, Sorcerer, Warlord, and Wizard. Okay, so... I believe Warlord and Scion are both earlier D&D edition style okay. classes. So then race-wise, because um, I, I don't know where like the copyright comes in on all of these things. Because like... Well, a lot of things are in public domain anyway. Mm. Like, you can't copyright the idea of a dwarf. Exactly. Um, wow. But hmm. there are... Talk to talking about um, that. <laughs> um, there are things that are in the OGL, for example. Like, you know, various keywords and, and things that are there that anyone can use to mm. make a game uh, without paying anything. Uh, so this is a, the character creation outline. So you do your starting attributes. So they give you a standard array, three, one, zero, and minus one to put into your four attributes. This is the only one they have, or do they have a point by? Ah, oh, they have. A They've got raw method and point by, but it's just you know. Point by. If if, if we were going to do like a little play play test of this, I would probably say point by supreme. These. Um. So it says about your prime modifier. It's just whatever your highest one is. You choose uh, which things you have saving throw proficiency in. It's called mastery. Uh, here you go. Choosing your ancestry. Uh, so they'll be released in a future alpha release or beta release. But until then, all PCs can describe however they look and for now have no mechanical differences. Okay, yeah, yeah. So in future, yes. Um, but what you would do is you choose your ancestry, so i.e. your race. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then you choose your See, background as you would. Cromwell will have an issue with this. Everyone's medium. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> For now. I am a medium yeah, giant, so... and you are a medium fairy. <laughs> yes. So it says, uh, each ancestry has unique biological and cultural pieces combined with the background. So... There'll be quirk tables, yeah, yeah, yeah. culture I mean, it, stuff. It, if we were to switch to this right now, I'm sure we'd just say, yeah, you're small. <laughs> and just run yeah. some of Yeah. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so uh, I believe there are feats. I think they're called talents in this. Hmm. Um, that's not a So uh, there are talents that any class can pick up uh, and usually only have a level requirement. Um, there is attribute increase, so make one of your stats better. Uh, you can gain two skill or trade points, which is, you know, 
get more skills or get you know become proficient in a trade which is the tool equivalent yeah. um there are going to be talents or feats specific to classes um and there are also talents uh says around multi-classing okay. um so i think if you were a wizard but you wanted some rogue features you might be able to do that through mm. talents i want you to send me the pdf because i don't want to read through but yes, I, I, I'll be interested to track uh, this to then eventually have a little go at playing because I think it would be, I think it's something that we could very easily slip into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this, obviously, a lot of this is, is the mechanical stuff, flavor uh, and world building and that stuff. That won't change. I don't think there's anything on here that, that would require it being different. No, I mean, um, it wouldn't be anyway, to be honest, <laughs> because I have an entire world yeah. and I'm not changing it. You know, like things would change from a mechanical perspective, but it wouldn't make much of a difference on the output. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, the M MD thing that I said was AC, that's mental defense. There's physical defense and mental defense. Okay. And this is part of where the balance comes in mm. of how you choose your, your physical and mental stats. Mm. Okay. I think, because I know we could talk for hours and hours and hours and ever, but I think that, that it's a nice wrap-up for uh, this talks, which has basically been uh, DC20 and Tara stuff with a little Yeah, bit my apologies if I've just kind of no, run no, a rough on shot it, No, this is exactly what this kind of thing is for. Planned, I, 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 I uh, like talking about it. The only other thing we could have talked about was C3, but to be honest, with only three of us here, it's, it feels a little bit... Um, yeah, a bit unfair. Uh, like well, we're, we're back to C3 next week, right? We are indeed back to C3. Go, I, get to, I get to actually properly play Tina. Yes, yeah. Tina has a note that says where the rest of the crew have gone because they are not currently... You, Tina's have to go find them because they're in the middle of a fight <laughs> classic i know right um so yes back to c3 which i'm excited for and then potentially you know having to go down into the the north caves the northern caves once again yes which i'll let them explain to you i'll let them explain to you we haven't i'll let them explain that to you when it comes to it because uh yeah it's a it's a pseudo callback and uh, something a lot of myself adventure. It is, it, it is. Um, but yeah, this has been a lot of fun. I very much enjoy talking about these sorts of things and, uh, and meandering around a conversation. Um, and I'm very excited for what we kind of touched on talking about, which is all the GM stuff because I, I think it's, there's so much interesting. Yes, I'm 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 looking forward to that. We we all have such different styles. Uh, well, I assume that yours is, is different, Mark, because uh, I've not actually seen seen you DM. So I'm, no, I'm you, looking yeah. forward to your to your insights. Um, all my old paperwork and say this is what it used to be like in 1980. Yeah. We we mustn't forget as well. Speaking of DMing, Liz said that she would run a fast food themed one she shot for us. Did. We mustn't let her she dip did. out on that. There's one which is based around it Wendy's, was, I believe. Yes, she said it was Wendy's, but Wendy's has only got a couple of locations. One of which is in Sheffield. It's kind of <clears> overpriced, <throat> but their ice cream milkshake thing is fantastic. Um, never been to Wendy's, but it's not super common. No, wouldn't have. So, uh, so she had been going to theme it around Fisher King. 
Yeah. Oh so, uh, yeah. And we were all we were all gonna eat our fast food of choice while so, playing. So yeah, the whole was, point is that you thing. you order it or you order it, but then you always play. I don't know. She didn't explain it in much, much detail, but I kind of prefer it that way. So at some point we yeah. do that. That's another thing. Well, for the fact, we mustn't button. let her skip out. No, 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 because no, it sounded if you want incredible. To do that, that'd be yeah. great. Yes. So yes, for now, right. we'll, we'll finish off. I have thoroughly uh, enjoyed this. It has and been thank you, Jeff, for all that information. Really interesting. Yeah. DC20 seems interesting. Uh, I've, see I've it put the stuff on the uh, on the Discord to, yeah. have, to have a look at. I, yeah. I yeah. widely encourage anyone who wants to, to go to thedungeoncoach.com uh, is where you can find the information. It will be having a Kickstarter at some point, but if you want to get in on the alpha, it's 13 Great British Pounds. I don't know what it is in uh, dollary dues or, or anything else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is a discount code of DC10 uh, for 10% off if you want and it. So to, who who did you say it was by? Who's the, the uh, it's the Dungeon Coach. Cool. Um, oh yeah, of course. So DC. I've not so yet. If the Dungeon Coach wants to sponsor us and then we'll just like exclusively play their mm-hmm. system, then I'm so down for it. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't yeah. it? Or, or hey, even listen. if you just want an extra platform to come on and talk but, talk about it, right. I will happily talk with you, if they, Coach Man. If they uh, sponsored us, I would fully just dive into coding a. Um, actually, I'd switch over the code that I currently have, which is my um, my initiative tracker, my in depth complex initiative tracker, to just be decent because fuck D and D. That's that's what we end on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I should say Tatar then. Good night, everybody, or good afternoon, or as they say in Brazil, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dicebreakers. Thank you to Dark Fantasy Studio and Nicholas Judy for the use of their music in the episode, and a big thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to come back next week to see what the characters get up to in the next part of this epic adventure. See you then. We're all morons. (laughs) But love.